Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer from the Chicago Cubs, and you're listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast featuring everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Manaman. This podcast is produced on Anchor, where you can record, edit, and publish all from your smartphone. You can find the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other major podcast platforms. Stepping to the batter's box. Welcome back and thank you for joining us on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. As always, this is everybody's favorite coach, Coach Manaman, and thank you for tuning in to the 2021 Semi-Pro Season Preview. I know what you're thinking. Over two hours and 45 minutes, you expect me to listen to all of this. No, I'm not. Check out the description. Every single organization that participated in this, you can find the starting point for that team in the description. Also, this episode is covering just the 2021 season. Many of these teams have been around for a very long time. If you're looking for a history lesson on these teams, search our catalog on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. Subscribe. Give us a five-star review. And when you go through our catalog, you will see the history of these programs from last year's episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the 2021 Semi-Pro Season Preview. Leading off this semi-pro 2021 season preview is the manager, Cole Klosterman from the Dyersville Whitehawks. Now, Cole, we know that semi-pro teams cannot do this without their sponsors. So go ahead and tell us about some of the great sponsors that the Dyersville Whitehawks have. Yeah, you know what? Actually, um, unlike some of the other teams, maybe the the Dyersville team relies uh, heavily and almost solely on the commercial club. So we're able to rely on them um, to help subsidize costs for fields and umpires. And obviously they run the concessions and all that, too. So just shout out to the commercial club for letting us use the field and uh, helping um, helping us get umpires and having the concessions open that let us just have a great year. Great field, great experience out at the commercial club. So thank you for all they do, not only supporting the Dyersville Whitehawks, but also the high school team as well. Now, walk us around the horn. Who are some of the guys that are returning this year? And who are some of the new guys that we are possibly going to see for the Dyersville Whitehawks? So start at catcher and then work your way around. Yep, so catcher is going to be me. I'll be back again this year. I think this is going to be year six for me already, maybe. Let's see, yeah, six or so. Um, we have mostly the same core. Um, I'll spare you the, the the going around. I'm going to forget half the positions anyway. So um, we've got most of our co-core is back. Um, Al Temp last year had some problems with his arm. He's going to be back, and he'll be able to throw for us. And then Isaac Evans, a name you probably know, he plays for Co as well. 
uh, and he'll be playing for us this year. So we're really excited about that. Um, some guys that are leaving, unfortunately, it sounds like Austin Savory won't be playing for us too much this year. He's going to be not local. Uh, Joel Vasky is moving on to uh, the North Woods, so we lose him as well. So we lose a couple regulars. My brother, too, I'd be remiss. He'd be so mad if I didn't mention that he'd be gone. So he's also going to be missing for us this year. I would also like to thank your brother, Connor Klosterman, for being my booking agent. He's the first agent I've ever had to go through to get Cole's information here to set up this interview. Yeah. Now, who else on the roster is coming back in the outfield pitching staff? Who are who are we going to see suiting up for the Dyersville Whitehawks this year? Yep. So our co our co sort of core we got Riley Legrand and TJ Deardorff back as well. In addition to Al Temp, so uh, they're great players. They're everyday guys. Great to have them. Uh, we got Robbie Hermson, who's going to play outfield for us. Um, Isaac, like I mentioned, will play outfield. Carter Pesci. Um, and as I'm looking through the lineup this year, too, we're going to be relying on, on some Beckman guys as well, which is really good, you know, for their development and also just kind of helps uh, keep the mood light and changes the tone of things a little bit, you know, when you got some younger guys who are just there to learn almost. So we're going to have um, uh, Nate and Nick Offerman will play for us this year. They are Beckman guys. And uh, Cam Cropful was a pitcher for us last year, good innings guy. He will be with us as well. Um, let's see here before I miss anybody. I got some names. Aaron Savory, who's Austin's brother, um, he played for us last year. Austin Savory's brother, Aaron, he will be with us this year as well. And then uh, we did manage one more new guy, um, Jackson Freeze. He plays for Kirkwood, one of Joel's teammates. Uh, we had a connection there, so it sounds like he's going to be playing for us as well. Now I do have a question here for you. You've mentioned Isaac Evans. If you haven't listened to his previous episode, go back and listen to that. He's just a little guy. Now he's a Zwingle son. How did you work him into the Dyersville Whitehawks? Did you guys strike a, a off-season winter meeting trade to bring in Isaac? Yeah, so Isaac will remain a, a Zwingle player uh, for their league and their tournaments. Uh, well, all tournaments, we will uh, we'll defer to Zwingle. Obviously, we're not trying to poach any players, but um, Isaac has a co-connection. You know, he play, he plays a co right now with Riley and TJ and, and Al, so they're all good buddies. And he did play with us last year a few times in the league games, so I thought it was a good opportunity to get some good talent. Uh, so we got him. Now, I, you did mention T.J. Deardorff before. He is lighting it up on the mound for Coe College. I know he's going to be an innings eater for you guys as well. Tell us about the pitching staff. Is uh, Mr. Deardorff your number one, and who are some other guys you have on the staff? Yeah, you know, I would say uh, last year Austin was definitely our ace, our workhorse, and T.J. Uh, functioned a lot a lot as a reliever, particularly a closer coming in and uh, shortening a seven inning game to five innings, you know, it felt like a lot of times. And, you know, when you put it into perspective that way, it's like, man, these games are almost nothing when you can, you can get through five. And if you're ahead, you know, you got six more outs and the game's over. Now uh, um, I would say, you know, with Austin's, with Austin's leaving, TJ would probably slide into that number one spot. You know um, we have Aaron Sabria well as well, just a high school player, but man, that kid can, he can really play. So we're going to have him as well. And Al, you know, really all the co-guys, I think Riley might be seeing some innings as well. Riley Legrand. And uh, I would really just say all of those guys will, will be our innings guys, you know, for tournaments and um, we'll go from there. Now reflect on last year. 
the Dyersville Whitehawks had a pretty successful season. What do you think would be your greatest or proudest team moment from last season? Yeah, so you may remember this or may not, but I do. Last time we talked last year, you had told me that you were surprised by our league record was was quite good, but our tournament record was not. And uh, not not anything against you, but you know, then I look back at this season, I'm like, man, we kind of did the exact opposite. I had the numbers here. We went seven and seven in league, which was not fantastic, but we went thirteen and seven in tournaments, which would have been way more wins than we ever had in tournaments. So proudest moment had to be you know we played in three championships but we only won one and that was Worthington uh, Worthington's a great place to play they always get great turnouts so obviously winning a, a championship which we hadn't done unless it was our own tournament in I don't know has to be at least 10 years it's just not something that Dyersville had done lately so certainly had to be had to be winning the Worthington tournament now tell us about your tournament coming up um, we know that the Dyersville tournament is a, is a well-known tournament and a tip of the cap to you guys for winning that Worthington tournament. But when can we expect to see the Dyersville tournament this upcoming season? What are the dates on that? Yeah, so dates are not finalized, but we will definitely look at doing uh, pretty much the same schedule this year as we did last year, which is the final week of July. So if I remember right, I believe a Thursday this year is July 23rd, and that'll run up pretty much just right to the end of July. We usually do it about nine days. So we're looking like July 23rd to July 31st, somewhere in that ballpark. Look the last week of July if you want to see some great baseball, head on out to the commercial club for that Dyersville tournament. Now, Cole, I'm going to ask you one scripted question, and then I'm going to ask you two gotcha questions, and then... We're going to turn it over to our two-hitter for our semi-pro extravaganza here. Where can the listeners find a schedule? Where can they find you on social media? Yeah, so that one's uh, – last year our Twitter uh, presence was was not great. I don't think I, I tweeted a single time on behalf of the Whitehawks. So, but we do have a Twitter account, and it's at Whitehawk Ball. So I need to res- resurrect that this year um, to release some information um, we are going to be releasing the schedule, the league-wide schedule um, that is being sent out through. I think the TH is going to get a hold of that, so we'll be central uh, sending that out that way. Um, but otherwise, it's just going to be through Twitter. So um, we'll be at Whitehawk Ball. We will we'll do a better job this year releasing Twitter. And we just got the schedule uh, two days ago or yesterday, so a little fresh yet. So, but the first game is May sixth for us, so it's coming up. Gary Langle, Wayne Chenier, great on Twitter. If you look them up, they have all the latest information. Now, two questions that were not on the screener. I want the first name that pops into your head. Does not have to be on your team. Currently, currently the best hitter in semi-pro is... One name. You know what? I'm I'm going to say Brett Featherston. Currently, the most dominant pitcher in semi-pro is? Redmond. And we're on to the two-hitter. Hitting out of the two-hole for our semi-pro extravaganza is J.J. Conley from the Placid Pirates. Now, J.J., before we start talking about the Placid Pirates... 
and we start talking about some of the guys who are going to be returning this year. We know that semi-pro baseball cannot go on unless they have good sponsors. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your sponsors that are supporting the Placid Pirates this year? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me. Doing this again, Nick. We really appreciate it. Uh, Two-hole, that's perfect. Love that. Love hitting the two-hole. So I appreciate that also. Um, I don't want to miss anybody, so I am going to go through all of our sponsors. We absolutely couldn't do anything without them, so um, I'll kind of run through them. Um, Mark Zlazic Music, uh, Brothers Market, Simon Lawn Care, MCM Search Group, uh, Century Building Products, Rambler Custom Homes, Chief Back Company, DB&T, Pleasant Grove Construction, Silkers, AZ Design, Stecklines Tree Service, Rodman Sports Bar, Dirty Ernie's, Truck Country, Mighty M, the Pizza, the Pizza Factory, Warwick Certified Auto Service, Hawkeye Tailgate Report, Kramer's Eggs, Round Two, Maco Tools, O'Connell Construction, The Hair Shop, Skullduggery, uh, Lions Service and Towing, and there's many other personal uh, donations that we get. Now, Walk us around the horn. We go to a placid game. Who do we expect to see behind the plate and on the infield? And then who are going to be some of the guys that are going to be in the outfield this year for placid? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, just going around a little bit. Uh, uh, first base, uh, Tanner Donahue, and uh, and then our uh, younger, uh, just coming from our Babe Ruth team, Mitchell Hoyer, um, uh, will uh, compete there. That'll be that'll be great. Position. Second base, veteran Sam Neiman and uh, Jeff Tyson. Uh, we'll also have a couple other guys like Bryce McAndrew and, and some others play there. Uh, shortstop will mainly be Matt Myers, but uh, we have some utility guys that uh, probably uh, play a little bit there. Uh, third base, main guy there is Nick Elsinger, but like Matt Myers might play a little bit there and some others. Uh, catching Matt Schemmel and Connor Burke. Um, and then outfield, uh, uh, the Damon Yeager, uh, John Dent, Zach Butcher, Kevin Tucker, Cal Vise, those are going to be the, the main guys for us there. And then, um, you know, I mentioned about utility guys, main, you know, Nick Ellisinger, Jake Raker, uh, Jake actually just got back Friday. He was deployed last year. Um, uh, so thank him again for his service, but, uh, he came back and played. I actually played some catch with him yesterday. I heard he's, he said he's in, in way better shape than two years ago, but, uh, we really missed him last year. So it'd be great to have him. And then, and Bryce McGander is joining us this year and, and he can play all over also. So that's really going to help. You beat me too. Then, uh, I want yeah, to thank ahead. him for his service as well. And a lot of former Western Dubuque guys, that I had coached from the Butcher to Maddie Myers to to Damon Yeager. Now, are, is there anybody else that you left off? I kind of cut you off there, JJ. No, 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 no. That's that's it. I mean, we get to get to our pitchers. Um, you know, we're still still trying to work on that. But uh, Marshall McCarty, um, we've had him for a few years. Uh, he's going to try to pitch a little bit with us again. Um, Brandon Sikor. And then hopefully uh, Matt, Matty Myers and uh, Jeff Tyson will get on the mound a little bit and Bryce McGandrew to help us out 
when they when they can. Is you guys were in a lot of ball games, and I remember when we talked last year, you said that that was your goal, as you really wanted to put a competitive team on the field. And I know there were times where you guys were close to an upset and maybe it slipped yeah. through your fingertips and in the late innings. But when you think to Placid last season, what would be some of the team's greatest moments from last year? Yeah, it was definitely that, that type of year. Um, any, anything, <laughs> any way we could lose a game, we found a way, but uh, we were, we were definitely competitive um, you know, we definitely scared some teams, but we couldn't come through. But oh man, greatest moment! Uh, um, I mean, there was uh, drinking 119 30s down at the Grove, that was a good time. Um, <laughs> there was uh, already to run rule a team in Worthington, uh, three outs away, up eight nothing, and then losing. Oh, that was a great memory. I can't get that one out of my head. Uh, they ended up going to the championship too. Uh, then the, uh, uh, all the Bellevue tournament, uh, yeah, winning run on, uh, just got a hit and we, uh, get, get thrown out, uh, going to third. That team also beat us by one. I lost my wedding ring last year at, at a baseball game. So still haven't found that. Um, but, but really what it, what it comes down to, and I'll get a little sentimental here, but, um, I would say the greatest memory from last year and the greatest moment, you know, for our team, but it wasn't just for our team was uh, the first game of the year. We played the second game of the night of the first night of the Bellevue tournament. It was the first tournament, the first any game going on. And when we pulled up and I've been in this league a long time. And then I watched it a lot when I was young. Um, but when we pulled up and I saw the crowd that was there and that you actually got, you know, you got the chance to play baseball and bring your guys together and have fun again. Um, you know, that, that was the greatest thing about last year was actually being able to play. Um, you know, us, us coaches, managers, we went through a lot before the season to try to figure it out, to make it happen. So I, I truly, it, it, it was just kind of an amazing experience just driving up there and seeing the crowd. We haven't seen crowds like that in 15, 20 years. I mean, we really haven't. So and definitely set an attendance record, I would think down at Placid, um, you know, this year so and that has been an echoed theme throughout talking to these managers was the amount of people and the amount of talent that came out to watch and play last year I cannot remember off the top of my head what it's called but Placid down in the Grove does a day of baseball where they have their little yeah. league team play they have their Babe Ruth team play, and then it ends with um, the Placid team playing. Do we have a date for that yet that you can promote and plug? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so last year it got moved, um, you know, for obvious reasons with COVID and all that. We ended up moving it to Father's Day, and um, it was an amazing turnout. I mean, we had, if, if, if you know the Grove area and Placid, you have the 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 hillside by the road and you know, people scattered there down both lines up into the trees. I mean, I, I, you know, I wish we would have counted how many people, just the amazing amount of people there, um, old and young and veterans and been around for a lot of years. And, um, so that father's day worked out really well. Um, you know, many people have said that, well, 
um, whether you're a father or you're thinking of your father, what what better thing to do than uh, sit and watch some ball? That will be Father's Day this year, June 20th. Um, got a great lineup, of the young kids, and then uh, our games, our actual semi-pro games are going to be uh, us against Southworth again. And then our Eastern Iowa League uh, game that we're going to play down there is going to be Cascade against Piasta. And then we'll end the night with uh, with the ceremony and then Mark Zelaznik playing playing music into the dark. So, um, yeah, if you haven't had a chance, anybody coming out to that, uh, please do. Uh, it's a good time. We have a lot of fun. And, uh, um, you know, when the weather is great, it, it, it just makes for a great day. And we appreciate all the support with that. Sounds like a great event. Go on and check that out on Father's Day weekend. Now, provide us with your social media if people want to give a follow and stay up to date with Placid. And I do believe you shared with me that you have some players that are going to step aside that have have put in their time. And then we'll go on to the three-hitter for yeah. a semi-pro extravaganza. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you can follow us on Facebook, uh, Placid Baseball, um, and Twitter, at Placid Pirates. Um, also want to me- mention, um, you know, we do take a lot of donations. Anything is great. A lot of times with donations, you can go to the ballpark and do that. Well, well at Placid, we have our own Venmo account. So if anybody ever wants to send a, a donation, you can Venmo us. At the Grove, eighteen eighty-five. Uh, it's appreciative. Uh, you know, the concession stands work uh, really well when nobody carries cash in, cash anymore. So I just want to make sure uh, that the Venmo was out there for everybody. Um, yeah, two. I would say two main players that we're losing this year that have had really long, great careers with Placid and Pleasant Grove baseball and semi-pro, and you know even into Babe Ruth. Um, uh, Noah Mauser, you know, he spent a lot of time in, in Abe Ruth, and now he's kind of helping coaching. Um, he spent his last year um, with us last year. Um, he'll be missed. He'll still be around uh, helping out and, and doing everything uh, to watch the games and help us out. But, uh, and then um, I don't know if I would call it officially retired, but um, when I was talking about the pitchers, our best pitcher last year for us was Neil Lang. And, uh, and he's uh, he's getting really busy, and so he uh, kind of talked about this being his uh, last go at it. it. Was last year, and we might be able to get him out there for a couple games, maybe. But um, you know, he's meant a lot to this team even before I, um, you know, rejoined the team. And uh, um, you know, I know that uh, the coach before, manager before Don, and everybody else can't say enough about what he's done. For just being a guy that comes out there and going to give you a strike. So he'll definitely be missed, and we're going to have to figure that out on the mound. And Neil was the first ever kid that I coached, my first year coaching at Wallert Catholic High School, probably 20 or so years ago. Stick around for the Dubuque Buds who are hitting out of the three-hole. Our next manager joining us hitting out of the three hole comes from the Dubuque Budweiser's and it's Mike 
Canavello. Mike, before we get started, we know that semi-pro teams cannot operate unless they have sponsors and people helping them out on the financial side of it. I know you do have a couple of sponsors. Can you go ahead and give them a shout out and people listening to this can go patronize those places? Yeah, I appreciate it. So the, the first and foremost is Hammerheads uh, Bar and Grill. They're located down by Petrakis. And so uh, they've been very, very supportive of us over the years. Uh, the Dubuque Sports Complex and Dusty Rogers Baseball are supporters as well. Um, and then the new sponsor this year, Home Team Chiropractic, who doesn't quite have a physical location, but should be up and running uh, come fall. Great to hear. And I know Hammerheads, it seems like they sponsor everybody that has a team. So thanks to Hammerheads for doing that, not only if it's sand volleyball, but semi-pro baseball. A lot of sponsorships coming from, from Hammerheads. Now, the last time we spoke, you it almost seems like are a feeder program for the Loris Duhawks baseball program. And when we had Carl Tebon on earlier he talked about a lot of your guys and his guys getting innings back and forth so walk us around the horn and tell us about the guys that will be tracking balls down in the outfield this year who are we going to see on the buds this year yeah so um we got a lot of loris guys that'll be roaming in the outfield um as far as where we're at right now uh, really, it's it's actually going to be Ryan Wollers predominantly from the Dewhawks. He'll be out there in left field. Um, myself, I'll probably have to fill a gap in the outfield occasionally. We got a kid, Danny Rogers, who's going to be a utility guy for us. He's a freshman at Loris right now. Um, he'll probably get some innings in the outfield. And then as far as some other outfielders, Will Courtney should make a couple appearances out there. Um, and then actually we're going – uh, local with uh, Hempstead guy Michael Garrett should should fill in quite a bit for us out there. So that's what we're looking for in the outfield. And looking how about the infielders, catchers all the way around the horn? Yeah, so Dakota Church is going to fill quite a, quite a bit of innings back there. Um, and then Danny Rogers can also catch. And then uh, Cody Blackburn. Those are those would be the primary three a catcher with Dakota Church probably scooping up most of those innings. Uh, we did lose Cole Thompson. Uh, he's going to be heading back to the Chicago area, so that's one of our key departures. So we expect Dakota, Cody, and uh, uh, Danny to to pick up the slack back there behind the dish. Um, at, at third, we're looking to uh, Alex Saver will probably play most most of the innings at third. At shortstop, then uh, likely be a combination of. Uh, Colin Strohmeyer and then uh, Luke Fenley as well. We'll get some innings there. Um, at second, uh, Mike Coglin. Uh, he's he's actually a, a St. Ambrose grad, um, so he'll be graduating and playing most innings at second. He returns. Last year was his first year with us. And then if, at first, uh, it's going to be a mixture of guys at first. So between Wolers, Courtney, and then Rogers, uh, depending on who we've got available, we'll likely fill that spot between those three. I'm going to have to go down and check out a Buds game. You guys have tons of prospects, especially at the shortstop position. You have Kellen Strohmeyer going to the University of North Carolina, and then you have Luke Finley, who is just tearing it up right now for the Loris Duhawks. It seems he has won an award, whether it's for our podcast or for the um, conference 
every single week he's putting up huge numbers. How's the pitching staff shaping up? Who's going to get some innings for you? Yeah, and so the pitching staff, a lot of guys that we had last year that were really young and making their first appearances for us, but uh, they played well last year and we're really, really excited to get them in for another year. So uh, Matt Jeter is going to be likely be a workhorse for us. Uh, we'll likely start him as often as he's available. Curtis Lillendahl is another. Uh, Hunter Fallon. Um, a newcomer would be Jason Turbovich. He filled in a, cu- a couple of games for us last year, minimal innings, but we're excited to have him uh full season, and then Cody Beck as well, who's a, a Hempstead grad. He'll, he'll get quite a few innings on the mound. You, when you think to last season and you refre- reflect on last season, what are some of the greatest or top moments that stand out to you? Yeah, so not our, not our uh, best season on the – the record board with wins and losses. So we finished 11 and 22. Um, unfortunately didn't have a ton of success getting out of the gate in tournaments, which, which really limited us. Uh, but there was a stretch near the end of the summer where, um, you know, we went on a four or five game win streak. And while we were competitive early on, uh, we just, we weren't winning ball games. And so, you know, the, the silver lining in there is one of, one of the key moments was towards the end of the summer, building a little bit of momentum you know, getting a couple wins under our belt and hopefully uh, continuing that success heading into the summer. Mike from the Dubuque Buds, thanks again for joining us. Now, where can we find the Dubuque Budweisers on social media, baseball fans in the area? Where can they find a schedule if they want to go down and see those two outstanding shortstops and the rest of your cast and crew play? And anything you want to end with, Mike, before we go to our four-hole hitter, which is Bryce Simon and the Cascade Reds. Yeah, so the the biggest thing for scheduling updates is Twitter. So DBQ Budweiser's um, would be the Twitter handle. Uh, we do have a Facebook page as well, uh, although it's not updated as frequently. So Twitter Twitter's usually you likely go most often. And then for the for the avid baseball fans, if you do have a game changer account, we actually update that very, very, very frequently. And I believe the fans can actually go on and track the track the games live as they're being played, which is kind of fun. So if you if you follow us and become a fan on Game Changer as well, uh, that's that's a that's an option. Mike, thanks for sitting down, and best of luck to you and your group of guys in this upcoming season. We are back, hitting out of the four hole, and joining us is the manager of the Cascade Reds, Bryce Simon. Bryce, before we start talking about the group of guys coming back in the 75th year of your Cascade tournament, tell us about the sponsors that are supporting Cascade Baseball this summer. Hey, I just want to say uh, thank you for having me on. But um, our biggest sponsors for sure are the Cascade Legion. Um, as most people know, that's where we play our games is at the American Legion ballpark. So they're one of our bigger sponsors. And then American Iowa Manufacturing is also uh, a great sponsor for us. Walk us around the horn. After you're finished with the returning infielders, tell us about your outfield as well. So uh, across the infield, um, we return basically our entire infield. We return Blake Simon, 
on the left side, along with Scoop, Austin Gale. Um, they're pretty big staples for us over there. And then as we go over to the right side, we have uh, Derek Lawrence, who played at Iowa, and Nate McMullen. And then on top of those guys, we uh, also have Jackson Bennett back a little bit this year and Eli Green, who's going to Southeastern next year. Nolan Weber at catcher, and he will, he's been there for a while, and he plans to stay there. Awesome. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to the Derek Lawrence episode, go back, go through our catalog and listen to that. Now, how about the outfield, Bryce? Outfield, we've got um, Logan Odding. He played football at Iowa State, and he actually is transferring into Clark now. He played a big role in high school for the Cascade baseball team, and he's back with us. And then um, across the rest of the outfield, I have myself and then my brother, who currently plays basketball at UD. And congratulations to the Spartans on that undefeated season. How's the pitching staff looking? Our pitching, we, we return a lot of the same guys again. Um, my brother Brock will uh, pitch for us again. Jackson Bennett, with um, coming off his injury, is hoping to be back with us for a decent amount of the summer. And then we have Braden Houston, who played with me at my junior college from Iowa City West. He's at Lenore Ryan in North Carolina. And then we also have Blake Simon, who is one of our infielders, and then Eli Green, who's going to college to pitch, and then myself some at times. Now, we know that Cascade has a storied tradition of baseball. What do you think would have been the Cascade Reds' best memory from last season? Um. It, it kind of stands out. We uh, only ended up winning one tournament, but it was the last tournament of the year, and we finished off first place in Bernard. So that would for sure be our uh, number one moment. And we um, ended up being about nine and five in tournaments, and we were sixteen and nine in league. So we ended up twenty five and fourteen on the year. So it was a, it was a pretty good year. Now, when you think to the upcoming season, we know that you guys have a big tournament. Tell us about the Cascade Tournament, what year it's entering, what are the dates on that, and what can we expect from this uh, storied tournament and the story year that is approaching? So um, it's actually the 75th year of our tournament, and it's obviously been going on for a long time. And we're known for having our special nights with um, our like drink special prices and a lot of like uh, raffle entry that we have. We have a lot of door prizes as well. So that's actually probably some of our bigger things with the tournament. And we um, we also have a $500 raffle on our final night of the tournament. So that probably is one of the, the biggest things. Bryce, anything else you'd like to add about your tournament before we give you an opportunity to plug your social media any fundraisers that you guys might have going on besides your tournament and where fans can find a schedule for the Cascade Reds? So we've actually thought about, we usually just do this raffle, but we've actually thought about implementing possibly a, a golf outing or maybe a softball tournament to bring in a little extra revenue and maybe offer out some more prizes for uh, the tournament. But uh, a place you can find our um schedule for this summer we actually already posted it to facebook and you can find it on facebook at cascade reds and then it'll be posted here on twitter in probably the next couple of days or so 
And you can find it on Twitter at Cascade underscore Reds as the Twitter handle. Awesome. Bryce Simon from the Cascade Reds, thank you for joining us. Best of luck to the Cascade Reds. Thank you. I really appreciate that. No problem. Stick around to see who is hitting out of the five hole. Hitting out of the five hole during our semi-pro 2021 season preview, we have the manager for Worthington, and it is Ben Ogden that is joining us today. Now, Ben, we know that semi-pro teams and communities cannot do this without their sponsors. So I'm assuming that the Chief Bat Company is one of Worthington's sponsors. I know they've been mentioned many times, sponsoring many teams in the league. But who are some of the other sponsors that Worthington has coming into this year? Well, we have, uh, we have three big ones. Um, Nick Camp Repair has been huge in sponsors. Uh, he helps with uh, all our, uh, what do you want to call them, the, uh, the awards for the, for the tournament. Um, you know, along with the along with Sam, we have Farmer's Best Popcorn in, in Worthington, which is great. If you guys uh, if you haven't tried it, you should. And then uh, Fidelity Bank is also another big one of ours. And with those three, I mean, I, I don't know how far you get without your sponsors and they've been extremely helpful for us. So now let's get to the baseball aspect of it. Take us around the horn. Tell us about some of the guys who we'll see on the infield for Worthington this year. And then after you're done with the infielders, talk about some of the outfielders that will be on your roster. Okay. We've had a, I mean, we've had a little bit of turnover like, like both teams, but, you know, we're getting uh, Marquis Sue back. He'll probably be at third base for us. Um, I mean, we have some, some really good options there between him and Brock Marbach. And Dakota Freeze actually plays a little third for us when he's not pitching. Um, we have Luke Gedkin at shortstop, Travis Ray at second. Uh, we have a really good young kid in Josh Engler. Um, he'll probably be playing a lot of first for us as well as pitching. Um, I'll be behind the dish as long as my my knees hold up, I suppose. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Uh, for the outfielders, we're, we're, we're solid. We got Sam Willenbring, um, Owen Grover, uh, Sean Deitmeyer, and, and Tyler Ray. Uh, Mitch Gatto when he's available. Um, we've got a really good group of, uh, of four guys that, you know, are committed to playing and feel like we can compete. Now, last year, you guys were making noise in semi-pro because I believe I heard at one point you had four Iowa Hawkeyes on your team. Now, will they be suiting up for you guys again this year, or are they going to go play in some collegiate baseball leagues? Uh, you know, they're always an option, but uh, those guys are, are so good that they'll more than likely be playing collegiate ball somewhere. <laughs> if, if not, you know, somewhere other than that. Um, yeah. Last, yeah, they were they were huge to have around. I mean, between you know Isaiah Fullard and you know Zoe, um, you know you got Matt Sosa. I think he's starting the third for the Hawkeyes this year. And those guys were huge. Uh, Casey Soley, he's at he's at Kirkwood, I think now, and I'm sure he'll be playing you know collegiately somewhere. But if he's not, he's uh he's already said he'd be back. Yeah, he, uh, he loves the experience in Worthington. So now, Ben. We're gladly taking those guys. <laughs> 
Yeah, and whenever you can add Division One guys to your team, it definitely helps round out the roster. Now, tell us about the pitching staff. Who I know you mentioned Dakota Freeze. I know he eats up a lot of innings for you guys. Who else are some of the guys you're going to rely on to get some innings for you? Well, besides Dakota, we've got Josh Engler. Uh, he's at U and I right now. Uh, I, play, I think they just make the playoffs. And then uh, Reed Stump, he's a debut guy. And he's been, he's been great for us. Um, he was kind of off the last year and a half after surgery, but, you know, he's back and ready, ready to go. And then uh, we're getting, I think we're getting Carter Green this year. Uh, he's out of Cascade. And I, I don't know a whole lot about him, but I've heard a lot of good things and can't wait to see him. No. So, and then obviously we got Travis Ray, you know, a long time pitcher for us and can always eat some innings. Oh, yeah. And just like those those older guys that have been around for a while, it seems like they have rubber arms and can throw every single time you need them to throw. Now, tell us about when you think back to your season last year, and I don't know how much you played last year. I know um, Gary was really involved last year, but if you had to pinpoint a moment or two of Worthington's greatest team moments from last season. What do you think those moments would be? Oh, you're right. I, I wasn't around a lot last year with surgery, but I do know that the big one last year for us was uh, making the semifinals of the Bartley tournament. You know, that's that's a big tournament, well run, and you know, it's always good to uh, to play well there. So, but you know, short of that, I'm not exactly sure on each moment for us. Um, When you talk about the semi-pro area around here, everybody always talks about the Worthington tournament and they talk about how they make it fun with the trivia and a lot of the other extras that you guys have going on. So tell us what are the dates for the tournament this year and um, does Worthington have any other fundraisers going on besides their tournament, and what makes this tournament so great? Um, the tournament is June 17th through the 26th this year. Um, it is, it's one of the oldest in the league. Um, I think we're on year, I want to say 70 or 71, and I may be wrong or off by a year or two. It might be older than that. Um, but it's, just, it's a fun atmosphere. You know, everybody gets into it. Anytime you hear a doorbell, they're thinking home run or trivia. Mm -hmm. So everybody's, you know, ears kind of perk up and everybody looks up from their phone and, you know, even players get involved in that a little bit. So it, uh, it definitely keeps things interesting. Now, Ben, can you provide us with your social media, where we can find a schedule if people are wanting to go check out a game in Worthington or wanting to know some of the latest tournament information. I know Gary Langle on Twitter is huge and Wayne Chenier is also huge on Twitter for following semi-pro, but what about the Worthington team? Do they have their own handle or their own Facebook groups? Uh, we have a Facebook, just Worthington Cardinals. Um, I haven't gotten started with the Twitter yet. Gary does such a good job with this that you know, I just I haven't had to do much with Twitter yet. I just, I'll post game results and uh, game times and the schedule on uh, on the Facebook Worthington page. Um, but we're we're not exactly social media savvy, so <laughs> <laughs> you 
Now, Ben, before we before we get out of here and we go on to our next hitter stepping up to give us their season preview, I've been asking this question to some owners just because I'm kind of curious. And I want you to throw out the first name that comes to your mind. Does not have to be from the Worthington organization. Right now, 2021, who do you think is the most feared hitter in the semi-pro league? One name. I mean, I got to go Nate Bramlett, but just just because I know what he can do. There are some very talented young hitters out there. Same so, question. Coming up. Same question, but let's go to the pitching aspect of it. Who's that one guy that you don't want to face when you step into the batter's box? Nobody wants to face Dakota Freeze. <laughs> Dakota Freeze, it is. Yeah, I mean, for me anyway. So, I mean, I always get him. I can hit him, but I mean, who knows? I'm 40 years old. So. <laughs> ben, thanks for uh, joining us and talking about the Worthington Cardinals. And stick around to see who is going to take the sixth spot in our lineup. Hitting out of the six hole is the manager of the Bernard Indians, Eric D'Souza, and he just got done telling me how he spent three to four hours getting the field ready for the upcoming semi-pro season. Eric, welcome back to the podcast. Tell us about the Bernard Indians. Walk us around the horn. Tell us about the guys patrolling the outfield. Who can we expect to see suited up for the Indians this year? Well, I guess first off, hitting me sixth is that's I feel good about that. Um, but no, we um, we uh, so this year we're we're pretty lucky. Uh, we we didn't lose anyone over the the off season, which is always good. Um, but uh, and, and we get some guys back that uh, played college that you know when you're when you're playing college, you have restrictions on you and things like that that are graduating. So we'll be lucky with that. Um, so this year kind of the same team as we had last year we'll have uh, a Riley Reed will catch um, plays at Iowa Central uh, and is going to Clark actually I believe next year um, so a local kid he's actually from Bernard um, one of the you know the few that are actually from Bernard but um, I'll probably play first a little bit um, DH a little bit and then we'll have Reese Roush will will play second um, Reed Roush Trace Hoffman uh, we'll both pitch and, and play short. Um, Gannon O'Brien is coming back again. Uh, he's a, a third baseman, um, and we're lucky all those guys are, are younger, so um, a lot of them throw as well. Um, on the mound, we have Max Hoffman, who uh, I think he was talking the other day. This is probably his 13th or 14th straight opening day start. Um and, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a laugh that we have that doesn't matter if we had a guy that could throw 95 and was a first team All-American. Max is getting that start opening day. Um, <clears throat> and then outfield wise, uh, Ben Knapper, who's played forever for us and Austin Brown, two, um, you know, veteran guys would be in center and in right. Um, and then uh, uh, Kurt Trum, uh, Harris Hoffman, Derek Kopis, Adam Hutchins. Uh, Carter Green, we got a whole bunch of guys that'll play different possession positions, pitcher, left field, DH. Um, so we're lucky we got um, 15, 16 guys 
Um, so if we can get nine or 10 each night, that's always good. But you know, we, we have some options in different positions. I do want to make sure that I'm being politically correct here. I called you the Bernard Indians to start off your segment. Are you guys still known as the Bernard Indians or are you the Bernard <laughs> Baseball Club this year? So as of now, um, you know, that's something that everybody brings up and we've, we've had a lot of discussions with and, um, you know, there's something and, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to politicize it. You can go on either side of the fence, but um, we, we, for the, for now, we're going to keep the name. Um, we are, we are changing the logo, um, something that we've talked about for years. And, and we thought, you know, it's, it's definitely time that, that we do that. Um, so name wise, that's something that we're looking into. It's something that we, we don't want to just jump the gun and then think back in three years and be like, well, that was a really stupid thing to, to, to pick up. So kind of, you know, we're on the same timeline. We're kind of waiting for the Cleveland Indians to see what they do for a name. And then, you know, judging off of, you know, if it's something that we like, um, go that route, possibly going something, you know, we have a bunch of Irish heritage. So, um, there was actually a high school in, in Bernard many years ago and they were the Shamrocks. So we might go something along those lines as well, but yeah, that's something that, uh, we, we definitely, um, get a lot of questions about and have a lot of discussions about. And the reason why I, I bring that up is not to get political. That's the last thing I want to do on a yeah, baseball yep. podcast. But I did see it floating around Twitter, and, and I did uh, want to ask you that. And, and the one thing that, that I do want to stress is with semi-pro, some of these teams – take a loss and some of the managers take a loss at the end of the season. They put money into play and Eric had shared that the commercial club gets everything up and running and, and supports that team. And if you think about uniforms and the price of uniforms and, and some of the small budgets these teams have, that might be a pretty big chunk of your budget, changing logos and changing names and doing all that. I'll be interested to see what what happens as as the years <laughs> as the years unfold. Now you did mention two guys that could possibly pitch for you. Any other guys on the pitching staff that we can see for Bernard this year? Yeah, so obviously Max is is that's kind of what he does. He just he just throws for us. Um, and then his brother Trace um, will be back. He's a I think a fifth year, sixth year, seventh year senior at Iowa. I'm not, you know, seems like he's been there forever. Um, and then Reed Roush is a, it was a really good high school pitcher. Uh, Gannon O'Brien, same thing, two guys. So, um, you know, we have, we can re actually, we're lucky. We have probably six or seven guys that can throw at any point in time. And, and you're confident throwing out there. That's not just going to be, you know, somebody throwing 65 with, with nothing. It's, Somebody that's actually got a couple pitches and, and can do a little bit with stuff. So no, we're we're in a pretty good position arms wise, which um, you know you, you might have heard it from other teams, but that's the biggest thing. If you got a couple arms, you can always be good. So yeah, we're we're in a good spot there. And Iowa baseball on Twitter, Trace Huffman is actually their pitcher that throws the highest percentage of strikes. So if you go to a Bernard <laughs> game. And Trace is pitching. The ball's going to be put in play quite a bit. Defense is going to have to work as he attacks the zone. Now, last year was it was a special season where 
there weren't a lot of people playing baseball. I remember the Bellevue tournament and people coming from the Chicago area just to come up to see live baseball because they were sick of seeing Kurt Gibson walk it off against uh, Dennis Eckersley and the Oakland A's over and over and over again on ESPN and all their other sister channels. But when you focus on the Bernard team, what would you say would be your team's greatest moment from last season? Uh, greatest moment. Um, you know, we got, I think our, our best tournament finish was second place up in Rickardsville. Um, had a really good run there. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the greatest moment was probably, and I actually didn't even get to, to do it because I was, I, it just so happened that I had got COVID during the Bernard tournament, but I think just, just being able to finish our tournament and, and get through such a crazy year. Um, we were talking at our first league meeting, how awesome it was, how everybody worked together last year to get things done correctly. Um, to, you know, just, just to the, the, the thought going into it March 31st that we would play a full season was, you know, wasn't really in, you know, in anyone's mind and then to be able to do it. So outside of obviously, you know, we won games and lost games and all that, but just the fact that we were able to play was, was pretty incredible. Tell us about your social media. I know you guys have a good Twitter following and then tell us about your tournament and the dates that we can expect to see that. I know you had shared off camera that it is traditionally the last tournament of the semi-pro season. Yeah. So, um, so social media wise, that's kind of a conglomerate between myself and Max Hoffman. Um, you know, we just, we, we keep it pretty light. Um, you know, we try to think that we were the, the pioneers of, of, of social media in, in the, in the semi-pro space. Um, and I, I think at one point last year, you know, we had the most followers, so that's just, you know, we don't like to mention that, but it's just facts, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, tournament wise, we, our tournament is the last tournament of the year. Uh, again, the granddaddy of them all, you always want to win your last game. So, you know, we, we like to think of it as the most important tournament. Um, it is the last weekend in August and then the first weekend of September. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty unique because obviously we don't have lights. So all of our games are during the day. So we go two on Saturday, two on Sunday, and then come back the following weekend, go two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Um, and it's always, it's, it's, it's a pretty big party. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of the coupe de gras of the, of the season. So, um, we, we had a great turnout last year. I think this year is going to be just the same because, and not just our tournament, I think all tournaments, people are excited to get out and do things again. And so, um, you know, come out and come out and watch a game or, or catch a tournament or whatever. And what is the Twitter handle of the Bernard Indians so listeners can find a schedule, follow you guys, any updates or changes if they want to see this team play? I believe, and I'm and I'm I'm almost positive it's Bern, at Bernard Indians. Um, I I think we're just we were one of the we're the we're the only Bernard. Uh, if you just search Bernard, it'll probably come up. So. Um, yeah, I believe it's at Bernard Indians. Now, Eric, before we get on to the seventh hitter and we learn about our next team coming up, I'm going to ask you two gotcha questions. 
I'm curious. High schoolers are very forthcoming with this. College guys are very forthcoming with this. Semi-pro community is very tight-lipped on it. And I'm trying to become a semi-pro super fan here and know the ins and the outs. One name that pops into your mind does not have to be from your team. Who is the pitcher when you step into the batter's box that you most have the biggest fear of facing because they're at the top of their game, top pitcher and semi-pro right now? Ooh, I, um, that's, a, that's a great question. And, and I'm always one, I don't like to give the political answer, so I'll actually I'll give you a, 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 what my true answer is. Um, you know, I, and I, I don't know if you've heard this name yet, but Andrew Redman, to this day, I faced him in high school. Um, and he's the same age as me. I still think he is the best arm we have around here. And there's a lot of great arms. I'm not saying that, you know, um, but Andrew Redman, I, I seem like, it seems like we face him in Rickardsville every year and you can't see anything. And his slider is, is disgusting. And you're sitting there and you're just hoping you make contact. So, um, you know, he's, he's the guy that, uh, day in and day out, if I had to face him, uh, um, I wouldn't be too happy. Now. You're playing defense, and the go-ahead and winning run is on second and third base. What hitter, opposing team, do you not want to see in the box with the game on the line? I'll actually say bases loaded because if they're only on second and third, you're going to intentionally walk them. Who's the most most feared hitter in semi-pro right now, in your mind? Who's the most feared hitter? Um... And now, you know, pitcher I knew right away. Now I'm now I'm now I feel like I'm going to say a name, and then in ten minutes I'm going to think, "Wow, how did I not think of somebody else?" <laughs> You'll have to correct um, yourself on Twitter then. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I'll get, I'll say somebody, and somebody will, you know, at at Bernard Indians. Who, you know, how did you forget me? Um, trying to go through the teams, I, you know, I still think, and you know, maybe I'll give a couple, so then I I can kind of um, give myself a little cushion, but. Um, you know, Cascade, Bryce Simon is, is, you know, playing at Clark. He's, he was incredible last year. He's a guy I don't want to see. Um, you know, Riley Legrand, a kid from Co. he torched us last year from Dyersville. He always, I mean, he just gets big hits, always puts the ball and play hard. Um, you know, and then I still think you got to think about Brett Featherson, still somebody that you don't want to face and Andy Seabrook. And, you know, there's a name from every team, but, um, no, those are, you know, I'll, I'll uh, brace myself giving three or four out. That That's easy. So, Eric, thanks for joining us. Best of luck this year. We cannot wait for opening day and to see all of the local teams out playing. Now stick around for our next team. Batting out of the seventh hole, which is a little odd for this team because I think last year they had the most offensive firepower of any team playing semi-pro baseball is the Piasta Cubs. And we are joined by manager Ryan Lehman, who is going to start off by telling us about those sponsors that keep the Piasta Cubs going. And then he's going to walk us around the horn of the guys for the Piasta Cubs returning in 2021. Ryan, welcome to the podcast and talk to us about your sponsors. 
Thanks for having us, Nick. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, you know, I'm one of the one of the coaches along with Nate Ramler. Um, he's the official manager of our Piasta Cubs semi-pro team, and I just kind of try to help him out where we can. And uh, first, I want to mention how we actually this year is the first year we're joining the Eastern Iowa Hawkeye League as well. So we're going to have a lot of games this summer. Um, normally, we've we've been a stronghold in the Prairie League, and we're going to try to test the waters over in the Eastern Iowa Hawkeye League. Uh, really excited about that opportunity. Um, so starting off with our sponsors, uh, I know we'll, we'll have some more um, in the coming weeks here. Uh, but uh, as of right now, we, we have Timberline Golf Course. I'll mention them later uh, when we have our, our fundraiser. Uh, Trappist Caskets um, down south of Piasta. Rambler Custom Homes um, in Piasta here. Round 2, Trackside Bar and Grill, uh, Trade Show Productions, uh, Dubuque Podiatry, Crossroads Nutrition, Dimensional Brewing Company. Really excited about them having a, a second uh Second location coming out here at Piasta, hopefully soon, and uh, reliable data and electrical. And and like I mentioned, we'll, we'll probably have a few more, um, but uh, that's just a, a short list of, of some of the people that really help us out and um, help kind of cover the costs and things of the multiple leagues we'll be in this year. Go down to Dimensional Brewing Company. They just released their canned beer. I hit dingers. Oh yeah, so we have the uh, baseball themed beer as well and we are excited about their new location in piazza as well you'll be able to not this season but next season uh have a beer in piazza go watch a good baseball game with the piazza cubs and then go have a nice meal at trackside on the way home now walk us around your uh infield take us around the horn and then touch upon some of the guys that will be manning the outfield as well this year for the piazza cubs yeah, so we got a, a big list of guys. That was one of the reasons why we wanted to get a few more games in the Eastern Iowa Hawkeye League this year. And in the infield, uh, we got uh, a couple of the Baumhover brothers. We got Nolan Baumhover, Quinn Baumhover. Uh, they've been strongholds for us for multiple years now. Uh, Connor Grant, one of the better players in the league. Um, Donnie Rother, uh, Rothler, he's a uh, new player that will be coming with us. And seeing what, what he can do with us this year. Uh, Greg Bennett, he's kind of a anywhere player. You, you can stick him anywhere, and he'll, he'll really success or succeed in the uh, in the game. Tucker Nauman, uh, Garrett Baumhover is the younger Baumhover brother. He's still in high school, but uh, maybe he'll be able to play with us a little this year. Bryce McAndrew has been one that has been in the infield with us for a while. Um, Luke Kennan, uh, Bryn Bantiger, a couple of catchers, uh, along with Matt Schemmel, he'll help out with the – Eastern Iowa Hawkeye League. He, he plays with the Placid team in the, in the Prairie League. Brandon Lehman, my brother, uh, Nick Tuttle, Nate Ramler, of course, uh, myself a little, uh, Charlie Beckman, Ryan Ramler. Uh, we, we got quite a quite a few veteran guys there and uh, a few of the younger guys that uh, will definitely step in. Um, and then the outfield, we, we'll have Peyton Quigliano, uh, Matt Hirsch, and Max Steffen, um, along with some of the other uh, players I mentioned earlier that are kind of multiple uh, area players. Great to hear uh, some of those seniors in years past uh, joining the semi-pro leagues like uh, Peyton Quigliano and, and Mr. Hirsch there, I believe, from senior and Peyton was from Western Dubuque. Now, a lot of the guys you mentioned are also two-way players as pitchers as well. We know you guys have one of the better pitchers in the league in Connor Grant, but who are some of the other pitchers that will be rounding out the pitching staff for the Piasta Cubs? Yep, so like you mentioned, Connor, uh, everyone knows his name around the league, and Nolan Baumhover is a real strong uh, presence on the mound as well. Um, we're hoping Peyton Quagliano can kind of help us out from that aspect 
um, especially when we're we're missing a few players that I'll mention after the pitching staff here. Uh, Luke Kennan, Matt Hurst, they'll throw a little for us. Greg Bennett, um, he, he's really good from the mound as well. Brady Brady Sheasel is actually a senior player. Um, he was in same grade, I believe, last year as Matt Hirsch and and, uh, and Luke Kennan. So he'll be able to, to throw a little for us and excited to see what he can do. And then Nick Tuttle's coming out too and, and see if he can throw a little bit for us uh, in some of our league games. I mentioned a few of the, the key people from last year that maybe we're missing. Um, the one the one name that a lot of the other teams will be happy to hear won't be in the lineup much. Juan Munoz, uh, he was you know our 3-4 hitter, middle of the lineup. Always seemed like he came through with a clutch hit, one of the best hitters in the league. He, he moved down to Arizona, so we wish him the best down there. Um, and then also uh, my younger brother Kyle Lehman and also Sam Link um, and potential some other players are, are playing in the prospect league. So they have good opportunity in a, in a nice league this summer that uh, unfortunately we won't be able to use them, but we'll definitely be cheering them on. Now, when I think of last season, one of my greatest moments of the semi-pro league actually came from your team and your tournament. So Tyler Soigling, who has appeared on the podcast a couple times, is one of my best friends, and um, I have never seen him pitch. And mm-hmm. he was coming back uh, last year for just a quick trip back to Dubuque and posted something on Snapchat before he boarded his flight. Next thing we know, he's suiting up for the Piazza Cubs, throwing, I can't remember, uh, yeah, it was the championship game, throwing yep. in the championship yes, game. And after a year of having taken a, a trip to the mound he was he was dominant uh, out there and that was one of my favorite moments from last year was getting an opportunity to see him pitch for the first time when you think about the Piasta Cubs and their greatest moment from last season what would you pinpoint as something that stands out to you and the guys something that they can hang their cap on for for being a proud moment mm-hmm yeah, and, and like you mentioned, just a shout out to Tyler again, and it was kind of a, a little bit of a last minute thing, like you mentioned, uh, him coming back, it just worked out pretty perfectly, and um, we had the connection with Connor Grant from from Senior in Dubuque there, and um, I know if you if you talk to Tyler, he he's one of the better competitors, I never really saw him pitch either, and he, if you talk to him, he probably says, you know, he was touching maybe 78 at the most or so, but he, he could spot it up, and one of the better competitors you'll know from the mound, and he really helped us out that championship game, giving us a lot of good innings to get the to get the win. But uh, to expand upon that, um, really the Piazza tournament, uh, you always want to do well in your own tournament. Um, you know, you kind of set it up for yourself a little bit, but we, we put together four games that were really – really well uh you know all three facets of the game and and, and all all the facets of the game really uh we we put together four games and, and one in our tournament you know for the second straight year and and really staying out late on the field uh, to celebrate with the guys you know it, it means that much more because it is a it is the last tournament in the uh the last 16 team plus tournament in the in the league um for the summer uh so it's kind of a good uh, farewell for the end of the summer for some of the guys and um i think uh later in the uh late, or early in that morning i'll say we we had a kind of a spontaneous uh, batting practice i believe at one or two in the morning uh, not sure if anything else influenced that but uh it was just fun being with the guys on the field and we're, we're a pretty close group of, uh, of people now tell us about your tournament what uh, are the dates on that right now? You guys also do a fundraising event, a golfing event that I know brings in a lot of people. And then tell us about your social media, where your handles are and where they can find schedules for both leagues, tournament information, and also ways to sign up for that golfing fundraiser that the Piasta Cubs hold. 
Yeah, so so like you mentioned, we had that golfing fundraiser that is coming up here on Saturday, May 8th. It will be at uh, Timberline Golf Course, which is uh, um, down in Placid area. Um, and, and they host a great tournament for us. It's a four-person best shot. Um, there are prizes. There's a 50-50 raffle. We'll have a lot of our sponsors um, throughout the golf holes there um, represented for their support to our to our team. Um, to reserve a group, uh, you can either you know reach out uh, on our Twitter page, which I'll mention here shortly, or you can call uh, call up Nate Ramler, um, 563-542-7440. Um, it's a really fun event. You know, we're hoping for for good weather, and uh, hopefully, we can see you out there. And then, as far as our our social media goes, um, we we are pretty active on Twitter, especially throughout the season. Uh, that's at uh, Piasta underscore Cubs. Um, we always, uh, you know, if there's any changes in the schedule due to weather or um, conflicts with uh, all the all the great tournaments throughout the summer, we we update it as as soon as we can, and uh, we get that information out there. So go ahead and give us a follow and. And hopefully we'll give you a chuckle or two throughout the year, too. Now, Ryan, I've been ending all of these short segments with the managers on two questions that I'm just curious. I'm new to the semi-pro game, trying to get a gauge on everything. So first name that pops into your mind before we get to our next group here. Games on the line. Bases loaded. Who is the most feared hitter in semi-pro that you do not want to see in the batter's box? It could be somebody from Piazza, but it does not have to be. Well, uh, I kind of mentioned it earlier uh, from the Piazza side. I would say it'd be Juan Munoz. It seemed like he always came through for us in, in a lot of big games last year. Like I said, he won't be with us this year. But thinking around the league, boy, there's a lot of good hitters, um, even from Epworth, Brett Featherston. I know we face them sometimes in the in the third place game. They like to call themselves the, the third or fourth place team in the tournament. But uh, they Brett's a great hitter. Um, he, he's been in the league forever. Um, one of one of the better hitters you'll know. Uh, Check it eight from Bellevue. Um, a lot of the every team we, we could go down the list of every team. Um, there, there there's always these these big hitters and, and people that yeah you, you hear about their name quite a lot for quite a while in our league. Uh, along with you know Nate Ramler, Connor Grant, we have a few on our team as well that that we think we can hold pretty strong with others. And then same question, but on the mound, when you guys are going to play a championship game, who's that one pitcher that you don't want to face that you feel is at the top right now of the semi-pro? Yeah, so there's a lot of good pitchers around the league. Um, we have, luckily, we have one of our own in Connor Grant. Um, seems like in, in big games, he gets even bigger and, and, and lives up to the moment. Uh, I know Key West, uh, they, they, they probably have the strongest uh, pitching staff. Um, you know, they got uh, Jacob Kerman along with Andrew Redman and, uh, and Anthony Rudin. Uh, you know, that, that, that trio, <laughs> uh, you know, you can kind of just pick them out of a hat and, and, and you don't really want to face those guys when they're on, and it seems like they're almost always on. But across the league, there's great pitching. Uh, Dylan Gatto from Farley, one of the better lefties you'll know. Um, even Andy Seabrook out there as well. They, they, they got those twin towers at the left side there. So um, a lot of good pitching throughout this league, and, and I think that was pretty evident in the, in the last year and in previous years. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Listeners, go out and check that golf outing and make sure you patronize the Piasta Cubs for their semi-pro tournament. On to our next team. Hitting out of the eighth hole for our semi-pro preview is a second-year team, 
Brandon Tashner, who brought baseball back to East Dubuque and the East Dubuque Braves. Coach, tell us about your sponsors. We know it takes a village to run a semi-pro team. So who is supporting the Braves this upcoming season? Hey, thanks, Coach Mandeman, for having me on. Uh, we, uh, you know, our two of our biggest sponsors, JNR Rental and Fidelity Bank in East Dubuque. Um, I tell you what, uh, if you ever wanted to pick a season to start a semi-pro team uh, during a pandemic is not the season we uh we didn't want to rely on a bunch of our hometown businesses but i know the guys have been out this year uh they've been getting great response uh, response from guys downtown um our place and shorties and the other side and a lot of our great in-town businesses um and i know they're going to be a part of it uh and sponsor us all the way so that's definitely helped out we had a few uh private sponsors to start that you know would like to uh, remain uh, unnamed but you know a wealth of help where we could get it to start out the gate. You know, hopefully this year in a non-COVID year, it's a little easier to go ask for, for some sponsorships. Uh, but, uh, you know, big thanks to those guys to get us started, absolutely. And you're back for season two, round two. Who is coming back? Walk us around the infielders and then introduce us to your outfielders as well. If we come to an East Dubuque Braves game, who are we going to see usually on the infield and then in the outfield yeah i mean infield you know we're gonna be uh you know we're gonna have zachary schulting and hunter sherman on the corners uh typically uh ben kennering at shortstop uh cory kramer at second base um lane boyer who's gonna be behind the plate he can play any one of those positions uh alex lang who didn't play last year but i think is gonna try to help out a little more and play a little more this year um you know they're all gonna be uh, around the uh, around the horn in the infield uh, all East Dubuque alumni, if you will. Uh, and then uh, rounding out our infield, he can play about anywhere in the infield, Jared Underwood. He actually went to uh, River Ridge High School, who is uh, a little bit of a, a nemesis of ours. But you know what? We are welcomed with open arms, and he's great to have be a part of it. Um, and then in the outfield, you know, Nicholas Kleesner, Jacob Powers, Tyler Hilby, Dylan Lang, uh, Alan Nauman's going to be out there too. Uh, all a bunch of uh, a bunch of East Dubuque alumni. And then uh, uh, one of our, our main pitchers, Ben Kettering, plays at the University of Dubuque. He's going to bring over. He's got a couple kids that he uh, recruited from UD to come play with this year, this year and Tyler Knight and uh, Hunter Martindale. Um, so that'll be fun. You know, we'll round out, have about a 13, 14-man roster. It'll be, you know, it'll be fun. So they're looking forward to it. I know they were, uh, they've been getting together a little bit here, hitting and throwing, and they're excited to come back, and they just want to play. You know, they, they love playing again. Hopefully soon we can actually play at East Dubuque, um, you know, but, but it is what it is. So pretty much everybody back, a couple guys dropped off. They had, you know, busy and things of that. So I, uh, I get it and, you know, we're looking forward to it. Now, how about the pitchers? Who is your number one, your first game tournament guy? And then who rounds out the rest of the rotation and then the back end of the bullpen? I'll tell you what, it'll, uh, it'll depend on if, uh, if BK's got to throw in, uh, in, in a UD game or not. Um, but Ben Kettering and Nicholas Kleesner both be at the top of our rotation. At, you know, our everyday guys, our tournament guys. Um, Tyler Knight coming in from UD is going to be a part of that as well. Um, Corey Kramer's in there. Uh, uh, Lane Boyer can certainly throw Zachary Schulting. Um, and then Dylan and Alex Lang can both jump on the mound and throw some, throw some strikes. So that, that may be a spot where we need to maybe recruit. You know, if anybody's listening that wants to pitch, might need a recruit here or there, but we're, uh, we'll be sitting pretty good that way as well. Uh, 
you know, the good thing we don't, we don't have 50 games a summer right now. We don't get into everybody's tournament. We're, we're still the new guys looking, uh, looking in from the outside. So, you know, we can handle our one, one game a week with the pitching staff we have and, and it works out well. So. And now you mentioned tournaments and you get into tournaments here and there. Is East Dubuque planning on having their own tournament this summer or taking the summer off not, and hosting a tournament? Not, not, this, not this summer. I tell you what, that is, uh, that's a pipeline dream I, wanna, I have. Um, I've been talking to the guys. We have, a, uh, you know, we have a township park that I think is more than suitable to be the quote-unquote East Dubuque Braves home field. Uh, get off of the high school field and go and have their own field. Um, so this year we're unfortunately not going to be able to. And I, you know, a lot of that has to do with COVID. Uh, Illinois is a little bit behind all the other states as far as what they're allowing and not allowing. Uh, so for us right now, we still have to wear masks uh, and social distance and, you know, fans and players both alike. So it's kind of tough to ask a lot of these guys to come over and do that. So, you know, one more year. Ideally, I'd love to have a tournament back in East Dubuque at some point, but again, that's that's kind of a pipeline dream right now, and hopefully we get, get to it sooner than later. Now, this question is a little bit different for you because you have been around. This is your second year. Greatest memory. I know that you're going to say bringing baseball back to East Dubuque. So I want you to elaborate on that. Tell us about the feelings in the community with yourself, with the guys on the team, when you guys played your first game, when you scored your first win, when you got your first <laughs> tournament win, and then also maybe talk about the greatest moment outside of the nostalgia of bringing baseball back to um, your greatest moment from last season on the field. Yeah, obviously, you know, when these guys approached me and asked me if I'd help, uh, you know, I certainly reached out. Pat Monahan, who used to run uh, the East Duke Merchants back in the day, he was a vital part of helping me, you know, get things lined up. Um, I know I've told you before, you know, Frank Dardis and Paul Sherman were nothing but great to work with. You know, reached out to them, and they immediately said, hey, come on in. We're not even going to, you know, have a, a probationary year. We're going to, you know, you're in full time. So, um, obviously, getting back, you know, and it's not about me. I mean, I think it's great for these guys. I mean, it's awesome to – you know, take the field and be on the sidelines with these guys as out of the 12 or 13 we have, uh, you know, I coached seven or eight of them, you know, so, I mean, it's fun to get back on the sideline with these guys um, and in the dugouts, you know, so, yeah, I mean, you're right, man. When we went down, the probably the greatest feeling I had when we brought it back last year, um, you know, the, the getting our first franchise win, you know, that was fun and getting our first uh, tournament win, that was fun. But when we went down last year for our first game, it was down in Bernard. Uh, and you could probably ask the Bernard guys about it. I think there had to be probably 75, 80 people from East Dubuque that traveled. You know, it was, you know, I mean, obviously you're just coming out of COVID. So maybe that has something to do with it. But I think just the fact of, of you know, semi-pro being back in East Dubuque, these guys having something to do. I mean, it was people that were unrelated to baseball. They didn't have – they had nothing. You know, they didn't have any stake in this. They didn't have a sun plan. You know, they just, hey, you know what? They rolled up, rolled up with a cooler in their lawn chair and sat down and watched baseball. And we had the whole first baseline filled with people. And it was pretty cool to see. Um, you know, I wish I would have got a couple of pictures of it and, you know, tweeted them out there. But, uh, but no, outside of that, it was just great. And to get it back, you know, and like I said, if we can get a home field and get back to playing in East Dubuque, I think that'll really bring a lot of the, a lot of the memories back and bring a lot of people out and give them something to do on a, 
Sunday afternoon to go and, you know, set up shop and watch a game and, and have some fun with it. So, I mean, they're, I tell you what, maybe it was just last year with COVID and, and all those college players coming back, but wow. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, talented packed, uh, semi-pro league. I mean, it's fun. So, I mean, those are the biggest things last year for sure. And then obviously you get your first tourney win. You know, the guys are excited about that. You get your first win, you score your first run. You know, last year is all about the first. You know, now this year get a little better, and, and now let's go get that second, third, and fourth tournament win and, you know, build on our record from last year and, you know, maybe get some more fans out to support and stuff too. So that was uh, those are definitely probably top three. Now, perfect lead into my last scheduled question, and I'm going to hit you with two gotcha questions here, Coach Tashner. Tell the listeners, uh, new fans and old fans, where they can find you on social media, where they can find updates for games and schedules. Uh, Twitter, if you're on Twitter, you can follow us at at edbraves1. That's at edbraves1. And Facebook, uh, they have a a Facebook page out there, Semi-Pro East Dubuque Braves. Uh, Those are our, our social media outlets at this point. And traditionally, do you guys play on Sundays? Where can they find you most of the time? Mix and match of Sundays. Uh, mix and match of Sundays and Saturdays. We majority games are on Sundays, and I, and I do want to say, you know, BJ Altoff and the Zwingle uh, program. You know, nothing but you know, thank you to those guys as they're going to kind of let us use their field this year as our home away from home field as we're still navigating through these COVID. COVID times, but majority of the games are on Sunday, uh, you know, noon or two thirty, depending on where we play. Uh, a few one o'clock games, um, but uh, but yeah, I think we just have a couple games. It looks like I think Bellevue's on a Friday night, and, and I think that's about it. The rest of them, though, you'll find us on the weekend somewhere, Saturday or Sunday. Now you mentioned earlier before we get on to our nine hole hitter. Uh, how blown away you were by the talent in the league. So when you reflect back to last year, in your opinion, who was that one hitter that you thought was at the top of their game, at the top of the league, that was the most difficult to get out? And then reverse it back to who did you think was the pitcher that whenever you saw them pitch just had the game in their hands? Oh, yeah, I... You got me there because I'm not very good with names yet. I'm tr- I'm still trying to get everybody and, and remember everybody. But you know, I know I know there was uh, we faced a couple Iowa Hawkeye guys. You know, obviously when you talk about being on top of your game, you know you, you got those guys. Um, you have uh, you know facing uh, uh, Trace, you know Trace Hoffman for Bernard our first game out. I mean, you had guys that were, you know, they they work you know working John Deere and then they come and play a semi pro game and they're playing against the Iowa Hawkeye active roster guy. You know, so. I don't know that I can tell you who's at the top because of, of the name. I, I just, I'm still getting to know everybody, but, you know, I mean, we faced guys, you know, we faced, uh, you know, for Piazza Cubs, uh, you know, we faced them from, you know, plays at Middle Tennessee and, and we faced Connor Crayville last year when we played Ball Town and that was a tough out. Or excuse me, he was a tough one to pitch a uh, hit against, you know, and we actually played them this weekend or maybe he's playing for Clark this weekend and he won't be there, but, <laughs> you know, so it was, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, for us in our first year, shoot, some of our guys, it was the first time they picked up a bat in four or five years too. So, you know, we had to, we had to knock the rust off last year, and now they're they're they, they know what to expect this year. So, it'll uh, it'll be fun. We're looking forward to it. This year, the East Dubuque Braves are back in business. Go check them out. Best of luck to the East Dubuque Braves, and stick around for our next semi-pro team. 
Hitting out of the nine hole for our semi-pro extravaganza is the manager of the Holy Cross Angel, Tyler Ernzen, is joining us today. And he's going to start off by telling us about his sponsor that keeps the Holy Cross Angels baseball program up and running. Yeah, so um, we actually have two sponsors um, we have Genuine Landscape and Design, and we have Delaney's uh, Tire. Um, they're out of Farley, Iowa. Uh, those are our two main sponsors. We had uh, Noonan's North sponsoring us for years, um, but they just recently closed down in the last two years. Um, and we're, we're reaching out right now to um, the rest of the town and trying to find some more sponsors for us out of the area. Now, Tyler, the... You are new to the podcast, and the Holy Cross Angels are new to the podcast. We didn't have a chance to sit down last year and meet you guys. So walk us around the horn. Tell us about the guys who are returning and some of the new members in the infield and the outfield of the Holy Cross Angels. Um, all right, so I'll start with the infield. Um, Logan Zara, he is our shortstop. He really makes up, you know, that, that infield, he's the heart and soul of it for sure. Um, we also got uh, Braden Delaney. He's catcher. We have a lot of young high school guys, which, I mean, I think it's great because we have a lot of room for development with that. Um, Braden Delaney does a great job at catching for us. He's real workhorse behind the plate. Um, we have Colton McElrath, Carter Layden, Alex Ward, Caden Scott, uh, Lucas Landowski, Again, a bunch of young guys that um, either fresh out of high school or still in high school that um, just trying to get some extra ball in. And The rest of the guys on the infield there. And a quick side note, too. My last year coaching at Western Dubuque, Braden Delaney was my starting catcher, and Colton McElrath was my super utility player, and he played every single position for me on the field except for catcher in that last year, and he played every single one of them well. Yes, uh, Colton is a guy you can put anywhere. Um, I actually have on my list here, I kind of have a, a list of guys that you can put anywhere, and I'm not sure why I didn't put him on there, but I think it's probably because I just play him in the infield so much. But he is a guy, whenever I need him, he'll go to the outfield. Um, with high school ball, I don't get a whole you know, a bunch of opportunities to get him to pitch because he pitches with high school and stuff like that. But um, you know, in the future, definitely looking to get him in that area as well. Um, and yeah, again, Braden Delaney, he's another young guy who's um, just trying to prove himself out there as a catcher. And I think he's been doing a great job with that with us. Uh, Carter Layden, he um, is goes to Hempstead. He's a high school kid right now. Um, plays at uh, DRBA as well. And he's a guy who can play shortstop, second base, anywhere middle infield, um, fast, fast kid. Um, Alex Ward. Um, Another kid that's right out of high school. Uh, he's mainly like a third baseman for us. Uh, Caden Scott, he's playing at Iowa Central right now, I believe. And oh, actually, no, William Penn. Sorry, William Penn is where he's playing, and he um, he's a good corner guy for us. Third base, first base. Uh, Lucas Landowski, good first baseman, also a really good pitcher. Um, also, with our outfield, we have. Uh, Chad Welsh, who's versatile, he can come in and pitch. 
um, covers a lot of ground in the outfield. Um, big pickup this year for us, I think, as well, is going to be Brady Templeton out of Bellevue Marquette. Uh, really solid outfielder. Um, been doing really well in the Perfect Game Spring League as well. Um, also, a couple new guys we have is Brandon Hogan and Zach Vickerman. Both young guys. Zach's still in high school. Um, really good player in Wisconsin area. Uh, and the last of our last two new guys, um, Brandon Hogan. And old-timer returning for his, well, I believe, like ninth or tenth season is uh, Travis Kirby. Oldest guy on our team. And he uh, sure doesn't act like it all the time. I mean, he, he gets around, but he keeps coming back year after year, and we love having him. So, um, I think that kind of rounds out our outfield. Is he the realtor that's the big Iowa State fan? There he you is. go. There's another sponsor for you. Yeah, right. Yeah, there we go. We just got to work on the whole Iowa State stuff. <laughs> Caleb Klein, he also comes in and plays infield for us as well. Um, I have him in the outfield quite a bit too. Um, and then this year, new guy that I'm hoping to help us out in the corners or catching as well is uh, Jake Blunt. Um, he plays a lot with, I know, Key West, but he said he's, you know, looking to play some more ball, so he'll play with us whenever he's not in that league, and I think that'll be a big pickup with us for sure at, at the bat. Um, I think that's, I mean, that's about it I have for infielders, really. Um, I have a few guys that play everywhere that play infield, outfield. Uh, Christian Prohl, he's all over the place. He's he's out of Bellevue Marquette. He's still in high school as well. Um you can play catcher, pitcher, anywhere pretty much in the infield and outfield. I mean, he literally plays all nine positions. Um, Lane Brett Specker, he's uh, another kid that goes to Hempstead right now. Um, again, all over the place, catcher, pitcher, corner, infielder, outfielder. Um, and then another newcomer for us this year is uh, Brandon Birch. Um, he, uh, I think he played for, I think, few different teams in the past kind of took a year or so off um and now he's back in the league and we plan on using him infield outfield all over the place wherever we can want to give another uh, shout out to former bobcat caleb klein also a member of my team that last year i coached out there great kid excellent shortstop when i had him it's great to see him and these those other guys playing semi-pro and continue to d- develop their game Oh, yeah, definitely. I know they all play a bunch of travel ball together. And, I mean, they just love playing ball together whenever they get the chance. Um, it's really great having them as a group, for sure. I mean, to have them already playing together a lot, that brings a really good team energy to to us, and um, it really helps out. Um, also, I mean, I can't forget uh, Andy Ross. He plays first base for us, and does a lot of uh, DHing, and there's always a saying it ain't like cross without Andy Ross. So he's uh, he's a big character in the town for us, and a big big guy for us. So he does a lot of different stuff, and you know when times when I'm not there, can't make games and stuff, he usually steps up for me, and you know takes equipment, takes care of the team, and stuff like that. So it's nice having a guy like that around. Um, he was always there to support. So, and how about the the pitching staff? Who is the ace of the staff? Who gets the ball first game of every tournament? How's the pitching staff shaping up for you? Uh, so last year, again, young team. Um, I had Ryan Klosterman throwing a lot for us. Um, might be another guy that you had at West Dubuque. He really stepped up. Um, 
he actually, I believe, threw a no-hitter for us in our in our lone win against East Dubuque. Um, but he, he went out against some of the tougher teams and really proved himself. Um, he threw in the Rickardsville tournament, really impressed a lot of people. I had people asking me, you know, where, where are you, these kids at? Where are these come from? And I was, had to tell them, hey, they're only, you know, freshman, sophomore in high school right now. And, yeah, the way he played, quite a few people were, you know, surprised to believe that he was only a freshman, sophomore in high school. Um, well, we do got a new pitcher coming in, a couple new pitchers coming in this year. I think that's really going to help the staff. Um, we got Sam Knoll, a former senior player. Um, he's going to come back into the league this year. Really excited to see about what he's going to do to help out with us. Um, we also have Josh Hollenbeck playing with us this year. Um, he's a very, very accurate pitcher, very consistent pitcher. Um, nice to have him around. And then uh, some of the younger guys we have, um, Isaac Fain, I mentioned Ryan. Hopefully we can get a few innings out of Caleb, um, Colton, and those guys whenever high school doesn't interfere. Um, Christian as well. Uh, hopefully we can get a couple of these guys who – Played with us a few years back and kind of got out of the league. We're looking to get into this year, like um, Jeremy Vossen. And we're also looking to add Addison Smothers, a couple of guys from Senior Hempstead that throw the ball hard and just, again, hopefully they get back into the rhythm things this year. A couple side um, notes here, Tyler, if I can interrupt. So Jeremy Vossen, yeah, when I was his coach at Hempstead sophomore year, threw a no-hitter as a sophomore against senior, he struck out 17 of 21 guys before uh, the varsity game. And then you mentioned Sam Knoll. Wow, I, I, I would love to watch Sam Knoll pitch. When I was coaching varsity at Hempstead, we were ranked number one in the state. We were 19-0, and 0, and Sam Knoll shut us down and beat us for our first loss of the season. So he's a, he's a great pitcher. Tyler, you said that you had one lone win last year. Would that be your greatest moment from last season? Or what do you think stands out as Holy Cross's greatest moment from last season? Um, so, yeah, I think it would be easy to say, you know, beating East Dubuque and the way um, I believe, like I said, Ryan, I threw a no-hitter against him. That could definitely be one of our best moments. But um, I think it's just the way, again, having a young team and they handle themselves in a couple of the tournaments that we were in, um, Cascade Tournament, Rickersville Tournament. There's a couple of tournaments we played in that, um, in Dyersville Tournament, where, you know, being going against the host team, you're not really expected to do fairly well. And uh, the young guys really, you know, definitely made a statement. You know, we, we made sure those teams were knowing that, hey, you know, this ain't going to be an easy way just because you had us playing in the first round. We came in and we uh, we we fought hard against some of these teams, and I think that just shows, you know, going in, especially tournament games. Those are tough games, and having such a young team, having them battle the way they did, I think that shows good for the future for them. So I think that was probably our best moment, just the way we battled in the tournaments with being such a young team. And you think about, you know, you have freshmen in high school playing against guys that are possibly 10, 15, 20 year veterans of the game, and some of the best players in the area last year were playing semi-pro. Tyler, before we get into the pitching rotation and get to our rest of the semi-pro teams we're going to talk about, tell us about your tournament you have coming up. What are the dates for those? And then also, do you guys have any other fundraising events that people can help support the Holy Cross Angels if they'd like? 
Yeah, so um, we have our tournament. We've been doing it for, I believe this will be our eighth year going on for our tournament. Um, it's the Dawson Besler Memorial Tournament. Uh, we named it after um, Dawson Besler, who's a West Dubuque graduate, uh, played for us for a few years and uh, sadly passed away. And we just wanted to, you know, honor his memory by keeping the tournament going and keeping his name going. Um, that runs. August 4th through the 14th, we're thinking this year. Uh, our tournament, we kind of got to move it around a little bit. Um, we always have to kind of fit it in between Dyersvilles and Piastas. So some week, uh, some years, we run it in uh, late July. We'll start it even. It just really kind of depends on how the other teams, you know, place their tournaments. we got to squeeze it in there. But this year, we're planning on August 4th through 14th, um, Louis Rudin Field, Holy Cross. And... Um, what we usually try to do with our tournaments is also raise some money for a good cause. Um, in the past, we helped uh, donate money to um, the Miracle League of Dubuque um, and just some other, um, you know, local organizations. We're thinking about actually trying to do a softball tournament, maybe. Um, talking with uh, New Newman's Bar up in Holy Cross, trying to get them with sponsoring us and everything. Um, he talks about how he really misses softball in town. So we're thinking about maybe doing some type of uh, fundraising softball tournament on a weekend or something like that, just to kind of maybe see if we can get some softball back in Holy Cross and also raise some money as well. Um, also with our tournament, we have also been known through the Twitter feed, especially through Gary Lang, to have in the, some of the best best food out of violin tournaments on the, out there. So we, we take pride in that a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a fun tournament. There's a lot of big moments that happen with ours. I mean, we've had, uh, I believe it was Lenny Teacup had one of his milestone wins through our tournament on a suicide squeeze. I believe with two outs in the last inning. I mean, just some crazy stuff. Uh, Dubuque Packers last year winning their first tournament against, you know, Juggernaut Farley. That that was something that was quite impressive. There's just been some really exciting moments in the few years that we've had our tournament. And uh, our tournament's a little different than others, being that it's in the time of the year that it is, some teams don't get in. So that opens the doors for teams like East Dubuque, Dubuque Packers, some of those teams that don't get into some of the other tournaments. So there's a little bit of a different mix of teams with our tournament, which makes it kind of you know special and individual. Now, if we want to follow the Holy Cross Angels and find schedules and find tournament updates and um, give a review of the ballpark food at the tournament, where can we find the Angels on social media? So we have a Facebook page. If you want to follow us at Holy Cross Angels Semi-Pro, um, that is our Facebook page. Um, we do not currently have a Twitter. I need to get on that. I been told by quite a few coaches why aren't you on twitter yet and i guess i don't know i'm just i'm not a big tech guy so i gotta get on that but yeah we're looking to get on twitter this year but you can follow us on facebook perfect and you do need to get on that twitter feed because uh piasta and epworth and bernard all have strong twitter presence and i would say that all of my information that i use for this podcast on Semi-Pro comes from Twitter. They have a very good Twitter uh, presence there, the, the Semi-Pro League does. Tyler, I'd like to wish you and the rest of the Angels the best of luck for the upcoming 2021 season and stick around to hear our other organizations as we jump into our pitching staff.
We've made it through the order one through nine, and now for our next semi-pro organization, we're gonna jump to the pitching staff. So the number one starter of the 2021 semi-pro season preview is the Farley Hawks, and we are joined by their manager, Paul Sherman, and he is going to walk us around the horn, tell us about his incoming infielders, some new, some old, and possibly some guys that may be stepping away. Paul, welcome back to the podcast after a successful 2020 season. Tell us about the infielders that will be playing this year for the Farley Hawks. Well, if we started first base, Andy Seabrook will probably be uh, there quite a bit. Um, I don't know about Giz Kerper. Giz is kind of... Uh, easing his way out of the semi-pro rank. So uh, Andy probably will be our mainstay there. Uh, if we go to second, it's probably going to be Brian Miller or Max Pins. Uh, Max played at Southeastern, so he's gained some experience. And um, we might have him at second. We might put Max at short. Alex Fossen is uh, going to be back with us. Last year, he uh, because of his work schedule and the end of college and uh, job search, he, he wasn't around much, but he'll be back. And he played short for us uh, prior to last year. Um, our shortstop of last year, Matt Sherman, is moving on. He's going to be playing in the Prospect League for uh, Clinton this summer, so we're going to lose him. And then third base might be a Brian Miller, might be a Max Pins. Aaron Sogling will be uh, with us as much as he can, so he, he could fill that spot out. Uh, another person that wasn't with us last year was Parker Rich. He's um, a little closer. Uh, uh, well, he he has a little traveling to do to get to our games, so I'm, I'm his probably appearances will be limited. Catchers, we need we we need that backstop. Uh, of course, we lost Calvin. You know, Calvin and Dylan and Matt Matt Sherman, um, Dylan Gatto and Calvin Harris. You take those guys away from our lineup and it's it's got to hurt but Aaron Wolfkill stepped in last year after a long uh what should I say semi-retirement uh he did quite well last year he's going to be helping us catch Cannon uh, Coakley from Maquoketa is a senior down there he also is hopefully going to be able to step in sometime and, and do some catching for us and Griffin Shigoda caught for us a couple times he's uh, from the Quad Cities he was a teammate of uh, Matt Sherman's in Wheaton, and he, he'll probably do some catching also. But that pretty much takes care of the uh, infield for us this year. Paul, can I tell you how excited I am to see another Pins in a Farley uniform? You know, he's not quite like his dad uh, as far as personality. But, yeah, Max loves the game. Um, he wants to be there every every uh, game we play. So we, we like those kind of guys and his dad was at every game he could be at, too, when he was playing. And Mark Pins and Donnie Pins were my Little League coaches growing up, and I played with Brian Pins, so there's a, there's a Farley connection here. I, I have a special place in my, in my heart for Farley. Who's tracking the balls down in the outfield, Paul? Well, we'll have the Anstetter boys. Tony Anstetter uh, played the majority of the games for us last year. He, he played right most of the time. Andy will be out there every once in a while. Uh, Seabrook. Dylan Gatto had played center quite a bit and pitched for us. Uh, Dylan is headed to the Waterloo Bucks. So we're going to, we're going to miss 
Dylan uh, also, but he would he would have played center last year. Robbie Anstetter will probably play there as much as he can. Uh, we might be moving some people around. And then Craig Kerper. Uh, Craig is another one of those guys that comes to every possible game that we play, and he should be in left. So that would be pretty much what the outfield is going to look like. We might be moving people around a little more than I thought from uh, past years. Another guy that also is going to be a pitcher for us, Derek Harden. Uh, Derek surprised us last year with the bat, and he is, is he's the fastest guy on our team. So um, he'll be playing some outfield too. I'm sure he's he uh, pitches for UD as a closer pretty much, and uh, he enjoys playing the position too. So that would be our, our outfield. Paul, before we move on to the pitching staff, are there any infielders or outfielders that you failed to mention that we might see on a part-time basis that might pop in here or there? I think I pretty much covered that. Um, Hunter Westoff, he might be uh, in and out. He's uh, pretty busy during the summer with with high school and everything. He would be the only one which um, he would probably be – pitching for us more than a position now what does the pitching staff look like i know you mentioned Derek harden who's having another outstanding year for the university of dubuque it's my understanding you guys have a big tall left-hander uh tell us about him and tell us about the rest of the guys on your staff the big tall left-hander is andy seabrook and the big tall left-hander is 35 years old this year so uh the wisdom is starting to grow and uh the arms getting a little weary but he he certainly will be one of our go-to guys um aaron sogling if he's around he can usually help us close hunter westoff is going to be uh starting for us quite a bit well there's a name from the past justin mcintosh he pitched for us he's from davenport area living in iowa city now he pitched for us maybe two years ago and prior to that maybe three in a row he's back out of school and everything uh, he played club baseball at iowa which has some pretty decent players so he wants to come back and pitch um we have a jacob murray he's uh, a pitcher for Wartburg. he plans on coming uh, getting in our rotation um, we're kind of we we might be a little short of pitching this year, but we'll we'll see how things go. Jake Hilmer is uh, a guy who pitched for us a few times last year. He's kind of on hold. He plays basketball at Upper Iowa, and he already said that uh, this season's taken a toll on him. So I, I'm not sure when his uh, commitment to us will be physically because he said he's pretty tired. So I don't know. Um, that's kind of it, Derek. We mentioned Derek Harden. He'll he'll help us. He'll be a, in the rotation. So uh, yeah, we might we might come a little short with bodies when it comes to pitching this year. John or John Matt Sherman helped us out pitching last year also. So he's he's gone. Um, so a little short. Paul, when you think about the 2020 season last year, one, it was a remarkable season because many people didn't think it would happen. What would you pinpoint as the greatest moment from the Farley Hawks last year, if you had to name a couple for us? I think the greatest moment 
was at the end of the season when we won both leagues again. Um, we were beat up. We had guys like uh, Brian Miller, I mean, older guys, uh, Giz that had to play a doubleheader the final game in the Eastern Iowa Hawkeye. Um, that ended our season on a high note and, you know, just grinding it out for the whole year and being able to win those two championships um, made, you know, I think that that would have to be my highlight. And, of course, you know, we came short in some of the tournaments, but um, when you're always playing the, the top teams and playing a Key West the first game, they're they're an excellent team and an, always a team to beat around here. They are. They do have a lot of the top players in the league still suiting up for them. Tell us about the tournament. We know Farley has a, has a huge tournament. I know I showed up to the Farley tournament last year to uh, watch Andrew Redmond pitch, and I showed up to a Dyersville game where they won it on a walk-off three-run home run, which was exciting to see. So we know there's always fireworks at the Farley tournament with balls flying out of the yard. What are the dates this year for the Farley tournament? The Farley tournament, no different than all the other tournaments with excitement and good games. Um that is probably one of the Farley Hawks uh, little fundraisers. We get a cut of uh, some of the profits out of that tournament. We work it and uh, take care of the field and stuff like that. But all the all the semi-pro tournaments are unique to this area. They're they're fun. There's all these rivalry games. There's close games. Um, obviously, the the pairing set up with the teams. Some of the you know teams the upper and lower bracket brackets are what I would say seated in a nice way um so you have the good some of the the better record teams with better records in the bottom and some of the teams that might be struggling a little bit on the top bracket so there's good competitive games and when you get down to the semis and the finals um those teams want to win just like in every other tournament let's start off june 6th with four games i don't know the pairings yet we're gonna have two games on the eighth two games on the 10th two games on the 12th and then we run it because of the high school, we, we have to bypass their games. We play the 14th, 15th, and then uh, at Farley, we just have the championship game. Uh, no consolation on the 19th of June. Paula, I do want to ask this question because um, you've been in the game for a long time, and you've seen you've seen it all. And I haven't prepped you for I haven't prepped you for this question because I want to get first name that pops into your mind. Can be from your team, does not have to be from your team. But who do you think is the most feared hitter currently in semi-pro? Oh, man, that's uh, <laughs> I, I can't put myself on a the spot there. There's a lot of fear, feared hitters at any point in time, um, and I'm supposed to come up with a feared hitter with all these teams. Um, that's a trick question. That's a trick question. I have to. You have to give me some. Uh, I mean, um, give us a, give us a couple if if you're having that well, debate in your head. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to say Andy Seabrook. You know, he in a, in certain situations he can be tough. If I if I I could probably pull out in my my opinion from each team if I look down at the roster. You know, if we're playing. Um, you know, Jake Blunt, if I go down Key West, but they, they have more than one guy that I fear. Um, Lemire, Brett, he's tough. 
Um, if you look at past uh, Nate Ramler, if you look at Cascade, the sign, you know, Bryce Simon, Bryce, I believe, yeah, he plays for uh, Clark. Clark, so he, he'd be tough. Um, you know, there's there's just a handful of guys that you put them in the right spot in the clutch situation. Um, they're going to be tough. See? So, and and, I'm, and and there again, I'm going to you know forget some guys, and I don't want to do that. But if, I, I could pick if I looked at every roster, I could certainly pick out the guy I don't want to face with the bases loaded. Same question. Championship game of a tournament. You got to give the ball to one guy. Who are you giving it to on the mound? Uh, on on our end, if it would, if everybody's healthy, and I have my best lineup last year, it would have been Dylan Gatto. You know, he he's pitched some great games against Key West, kept us in games. Um, everything would have to be in order for that to happen. You know, it's his turn. Obviously it wouldn't, it wouldn't break my heart to see Andy Seabrook with, uh, with the wisdom and, uh, the, 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 the stuff that he has. But if, if our team was in place last year and, uh, you know, everybody had the rest, it would be Dylan. Paul Sherman from the Farley Hawks, thank you for joining us. And best of luck to you and your squad in this 2021 season. Stick around to see who is going to be our number two starter on our semi-pro season preview. Continuing on to the pitching staff for our semi-pro preview for the 2021 extravaganza is the Dubuque Packers. They are second in the rotation behind the Farley Hawks, followed by the Zwingle Suns. We are joined by the manager of the Dubuque Packers, Michael Blake. Michael, we know that it takes sponsors to run these teams. Tell us about your sponsors and where can we patronize them at? Uh, one of our sponsors is the Romberg Dairy Queen, so you can go down there and support. That's on the north end of town, down by Sutton Pool. Um, and Cornerstone Concrete out in Epworth uh, does a little bit of sponsoring as well for us. Um, yeah, they both help us kind of money goes towards the field, rental, umpires and equipment and guys chip in as well. So it's kind of a team effort. Nice. And you guys had a phenomenal year last year. We're going to get into that a little later here. But tell us about the infielders. Who are some of the infielders that are coming back? Who are some of the infielders that are new? And who is stepping away that we will not see that have been suiting up for the Packers? So our infielders uh, this year, we didn't really have any leave. Um, but we got Chris Tompkins will play a little bit of third for us. Uh, probably a little bit of short second. He kind of plays wherever. Matt Parker will play a little bit of third. First for us, um, Johnny Blake will play, I don't know, he'll play everywhere, mostly infield though. And Mike Zelinskis will also play second base, but also a little bit of everywhere. Um, our first baseman will be Christian Castro. He, he's a guy at Clark. He played with us all last year. Really fun guy to have on the team. He's a blast. Um, and Tuck if CC isn't there for some reason. But um, that's pretty much our infield catcher. We got uh, Cody Roush, too, behind the plate. So we did have our catcher leaving, Joel Avina, I guess. Um, he was he caught a lot of games for us last summer. 
heading back home now. So, a lot of former Mustangs uh, with um, Cody Roush, and I always love watching Chris Tompkins play. I always love watching that big yakking curveball too on the mound. <laughs> Who's uh, tracking the balls down in the outfield for the Packers? We got Austin Clemens out there. He uh, he's he's been our center fielder a lot of for a lot of years. Um, we got Tuck. It's gonna play outfield. Uh, Tucker May for those that I call him Tuck. Uh, Austin Bradley will play small field. Brant Culbertson. We uh, he used to be an infielder for us, and he found himself in the outfield last year. And I think he might have found his new position because he's really good at it. And uh, we got a guy that is at Clark now. He played for us at the end of the year. Last year, uh, Balen Markridge, so we're excited to have him back. He's another guy that's just a fun guy to have on the team. But those will be our outfielders. If you're listening to this, you better know when he says Tuck that it's Tucker May. So I, I would I would hope. Who's on the pitching staff? Who's that ace that's getting the game ball opening round of the tournament? And who's uh, who's winning that championship game for you guys? Who can we see on the mound for the Packers this year? Oh, gosh. Uh, a lot of my guys would probably say we'd have to staff it right now because their arms aren't in shape. But I'd probably put Chris Tompkins or Austin Clemens out there on the mound. Um, Johnny, falling right, Johnny would fall right in line after them probably. Now, the great thing about the Packers is the Packers were a team, minor league team in Dubuque a long time ago, and you, you brought this team and brought this organization back. Now, I know what you're going to say for this, but um, some of the listen- listeners might not know about it, but um, what was the greatest moment that the Dubuque Packers had last year? Well, it's got to be winning the Holy Cross Tournament. First one ever. We were pretty excited about it. That was, uh, yeah, that was really something. <laughs> and what all went into that, winning that tournament? What were the feelings like? What were the emotions like when you guys brought home the hardware and um it was the first in franchise history oh we were just excited even uh you know we had some guys that were just there watching they weren't playing they were excited it was just everyone that's been around the packers leading up to that point um was kind of there and it was just a blast now, people that listen to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast know that I am an Oakland A's fan. I think the Dubuque Packers are like the Oakland A's of the semi-pro. And the reason why I say that is because the Oakland A's draft well, and then when guys get too expensive, the teams pluck their best players away. I found that to be with the Packers, that you guys don't get into every single tournament, but come tournament time... I've noticed that a lot of the Packers are being plucked away and put on some of these teams that are constantly winning tournaments. And I heard that your brother, Johnny Blake, had a run of playing, I believe, in four of the last five tournaments, and his team made the championship. Any uh, comment on that comparison there and what happened with Johnny last year? Yeah, uh, Yeah, he went on a little bit of a run there. Um, he had a lot of fun doing it, especially since his high school season was cut a little bit short. Um, so he had a lot blast in the semi-pro season. But we have all of our guys are always itching to play in tournaments. And coaches text me all the time when they need a guy. And it doesn't take me long to find one. These guys always want to play. So, And I like seeing them play. I know even my pitchers, if we got a league game, and I know they're 
got a chance to pitch in the tournament for someone, I'll say go pitch in the tournament because it's that's what they want to do. Yeah, everybody wants to play baseball, especially on those weekends when you get big crowds out to those games. Now, I know that the tournament schedule is jam-packed, and I know the Dubuque Packers do not have a tournament, but you are planning a golf outing. Any information you can give us about the golf outing, possible dates, or what we can expect? We don't need dates yet. We're going to shoot for the end of August, but... um. We've done a few different golf courses, so we're, we'll see where we end up this time. Uh, we have a lot of hole prizes, raffle prizes, 50-50. Usually there's, gonna, there's a dinner. We'll see what happens this year with COVID and whatnot. So uh, it's always a blast. We always get, you know, 18, 20 teams, kind of hard for me to get on a golf course, and they just have fun all day. I'm new, I'm new to the golf game, so if I just picked up the clubs last year along with this podcast as a hobby to do during quarantine. So if anybody's looking for a fourth, I am not very good. But um, feel free to give Coach Manaman a call or uh, shoot me a message on, on Twitter. Where can we find you guys on social media? Where can we find the um, Dubuque Packers schedule if we want to go down to Petrakis and watch a baseball game? So uh, we were the Dubuque at the Dubuque Packers, not the Dubuque Packers, I guess at Dubuque Packers on Twitter, and we got a Facebook page, Dubuque Packers. Um, our schedule will be out on there shortly, uh, probably by the time this podcast comes out, I guess. But um, Brant Culbertson does a great job for us making our. We have lineups that he puts out before games, um, and he'll do the same thing with the schedule. He'll make it up nice and does a really good job running our social media accounts. So I couldn't do it without a lot of these guys. So. And he does do a great job. I love the posts of, of the lineups and, and who's playing where. Very informative. If you're a baseball fan and if you grew up in the mid-2014 to 2018 range, you got to go check out the debut Packers. We had a lot of talent playing at the high school level during that time. And, and go give these guys a viewing because – take you back to Austin Clemens throwing for senior against Chris Tompkins throwing for Hempstead and uh, Tucker May hitting 475 foot home runs um, off his front foot when he got fooled on a changeup. So go check out the Dubuque Packers and best of luck to the Dubuque Packers this year. Stick around to our number three spot, the Zwingle Suns. Next on the pitching staff for our semi-pro season preview 2021, we are joined by the manager of the Zwingle Suns, B.J. Althoff. And last year being new to the semi-pro game, I can say that this team was probably the biggest surprise to me out of all of the teams, and they had a great run last year, and we're excited to see what's in store for 2021. BJ, welcome back to the podcast. And before we talk about the roster of the Zwingle Suns, tell us about your sponsors and who's uh, supporting the Zwingle Suns this upcoming season. Yeah, Nick, thanks for having me. So um, we got some good sponsors that support us year in, year out. Uh, DePaco, Robin Motor Company, Pioneer Seed, Heidi, you know, Beach, Corey, and then uh, a new one this year was DRBA, Dusty Rogers Baseball, is, is going to be new this year for us. So really excited about all those sponsors and how they support us. 
I'm glad to see the local academies out there sponsoring some teams. I believe the Dusty Rogers Baseball Academy is also supporting the Dubuque Budweiser's as well. So thank you, okay. Dusty and, and his staff, for supporting semi-pro baseball, keeping semi-pro baseball alive. Also, patronize them. I believe they do a semi-pro hit tracks league during the off season as well. Tell us about the Zwingle Suns. Let's touch upon the infielders first. Walk us around the horn. Who's catching? And then who else are we going to see on the infield this year? Yeah, thankfully we got about um, most of our team back from you know last year where we did have a very good year. You know, David James is catching again. Um, we got Lance Richardson at first base. Uh, we got um, Andy Wooster and Cade Reisner, you know, at second base. We did get a change at a uh, shortstop. Uh, Trey Hunt isn't going to be playing with us anymore, um, but we got Brady Hoffman going to come in and play. And then at third base, you know, we got Craig Lyons, who, you know, the ageless Craig Lyons who keeps playing, and then uh, McGuire Fitzgerald, who played a lot of third base for us last year. So great. So to we're see. looking forward to it. Great to see a Reisner suiting up, and it's also awesome to see that the Lions are still playing. I played with Cole and Travis, Lions at mm-hmm. Hempstead. Now, who's tracking the balls down in the outfield? We got the same group as last year. So we got Travis in left. We got Isaac Evans, you know, in center, covers a lot. We got uh, Max Hansen, you know, in right field, or else Andy will be out there, out there in right field. And then we got uh, Jeremy Klingeman, who played a little bit last year but he should be playing more this year for us. Awesome. How's the pitching staff looking? Who's uh, Who gets the game ball first round of the tournament, and, and who are we going to in the championship games, and who else is rounding out the Zwingle Sun pitching rotation? Our, our top two pitchers are, are Max Hansen and McGuire Fitzgerald. You know, we did lose Brett Kelton from last year, so we're going to have to replace his innings. He was, he was very good for us. Um, a couple – we got uh, Jeremy Klingeman back and Jake Schmidt, and then we're we're trying out some new guys, you know. And then uh, we got a new closer. We're going to try out, see how that goes, you know. Kind of you have to come out and see that one. So are are we keeping those names under wraps so we don't want to give away any scouting reports or? Yeah, yeah, the closer will be kept under wraps, you know, until he comes trotting in. We're trying to figure out his uh his music that he's going to run out to, so. You know, with semi-pro, you never know. My mind's thinking maybe Mitch Williams is coming back to to make an appearance to close out some games for you guys. I don't want to give this guy too big of a head, so, you know. Now, last year, you guys were the surprise team. I, I don't know off the top of my head how many championship games you guys won, but I do believe you were in the championship game in the Bellevue tournament. Um, tell us a little bit about your run from last year. Tell us about the number of championship games uh, you were in. And then also, if you could pinpoint the Zwingle Suns' greatest memory or moment from last season, what would it be, BJ? So, yeah, we had a very good year. We were in four championships. Um, unfortunately, we didn't win any of them. We got second place in those four. And then we got two fourth place finishes last year. So, so out of the tournaments, we placed in six of them last year, which is very good. Um, um, I think the the team just never gave up. You know, we were down eight runs to Placid and Worthington in the first round, um, three outs away from getting run rolled, and then we come back, win it, and go to the championship in Worthington, um, <clears throat> where we lost to Dyersville there. But 
just uh, that's the, that's what I really liked about the team is they they had a lot of fun and never gave up. So, and to play in that Worthington tournament, the championship game, we know they draw big crowds. We know they do something a little bit differently, and it's something about that tournament that that draws people from all over every year to uh, to come and watch that tournament. We know that you guys have a successful event that you run. It's called Zwingle Fest. Can you give yep. us the dates to Zwingle Fest and who are some of the teams that are going to be participating in Zwingle Fest this year? So Zwingle Fest is July 10th and 11th, and we got the same four teams back that we've had the last few years. There's there's always a battle to get in so they can have chicken. Um, Epworth wants to get there and they want to pull the chicken off the off the grill um, while the other game's going on. So. Uh, that's the big draw that that we have for those for those two days. So, BJ, where can we find you on social media? Where can fans of semi pro baseball follow the Zwingle Suns? And then you've been in the game for a long time, and and I want to ask you two uh, two questions here just to gauge where semi pros at right now. So so we have a Twitter account, you know, Zwingle Suns, and then we also have a, a Facebook page that we. We post our schedule, and then um, all the tournaments, we, we link to both of those sites so that uh, people can go out there and see when we're going to be playing next. If if anyone wants to get, I can add them to the text message list if they reach out to me, and they'll get the same text messages as the players so they'll know when to, when to show up. So, And you'll also know when that chicken is coming off hot and ready. Now, BJ, how long have you been involved in semi-pro baseball? Um, I started with Zwingle in 1996. All right. So I'm so. not going to do the math because I teach English, but I'm going to say that's roughly 20 to 25 years. Yep. Current day, you have one guy, your team or any team in the league, that you want in the batter's box to win the game. Present day, who do you think is the most feared, dangerous hitter in semi-pro baseball? Um, you got to have Nate Randler up there. You know, he's, he's a very good hitter and, uh, Brett Featherston is very good as well. Uh, those are, those are two top ones. I, I'm going to be a little biased. I like Isaac. He gets stuff moving on the bases, you know, um, he, he's not going to hit for power, even if he says he, he is a home run hitter, but he just, he gets stuff moving for our team. So, so I like that, but uh, I, I like Nate and, and, uh, Brett, you know, they're, they're some big sticks. Last question before we move on to the fourth spot in the ro- in the rotation, which is the Bellevue Braves, is same question, reversing positions. You have one game to win, and you get to pick any pitcher from the semi-pro circuit to put on the mound. What pitcher are you picking? Um, Connor Grant has been pretty tough the last few years, you know. So he's he's always he's a good one. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones. Um, boy, I'm trying to blank from uh, from Key West. Um, Would it be Andrew Redman, Jacob yeah. Kerman, Alec Thomas? <laughs> you named a couple of them. Redman's good, Kerman's good, and then uh, Rudin as well. Oh, you yeah, know, Rudin. Anthony Rudin. How can I forget Anthony Rudin? So, so there's a, so there's a lot of good pitchers in this league, you know. And then you got you know Dylan Gatto. You know, there's just there's a lot of talent. Um, and a lot of good pitchers in this league. Um, so it's a tough call to, if he only had to pick one. Going back in the day, I probably would have t- taken Tim Felderman. 
you know, he always battled and he was a very smart pitcher that just kind of kept you off balance. I love that, giving us some new school and, and taking it back to the old school. BJ and the rest of the Zwingle Suns, thanks for joining us on this 2021 semi-pro season preview and best of luck to you and your team this upcoming season. We are rounding out the rest of our starting rotation and we've come to the number four starter, the Bellevue Braves and manager Chase Keeter is joining us today. Chase, before we get to the pitching staff, which I know you are on and I know that you've been known to dominate at your with your time at the University of Dubuque. First, tell us about your infielders. Walk us around the horn for us, please. Yeah, so I guess I'll start with the catcher, the number two part of the battery. Um, Luke Carroll is our catcher. He's from senior uh, high school. He played with me up at uh, UD for three years. Um, Then we go to first base, and right now we're looking at it's kind of a mixture. We move guys around depending on who's throwing, who's who's there, who's not. But first base usually is uh, between Chet Kanake and Jake Schaefer when they can make it. Um, Jake is a coach, uh, is now the assistant coach in Bellevue for the high school team. And then you go to second base, which is kind of a mixture of Corbin Plussell and Andrew Schwartz. Um, Andrew plays up at Clark right now um he's also looking at playing a little outfield hopefully for us um isaac storm fills in there in the middle infield when we're looking for another player for uh, those positions third base is usually between myself and chet um or we can also sub in corbin or jared goose or isaac will all play there so we kind of just move around um, DH would be Jordan Reese for us to and, start the season. And Chase, when we're thinking about the outfielders, who are tracking the balls down in the outfield? And then after you're done talking about the guys in the outfield, who are some of the guys that sometimes fill in that we might not see every single weekend, but they're on your roster as well? Okay, yeah. Um, definitely Isaac. He's there. Every game is being a co-manager with me, myself. Uh, Jake Formella is there majority of the time, and uh, Jared Coos as well. Jamie Kramer and Cole Ray are another two guys that really fill in out there for us. I need you to do me a favor. So two friends of mine, actually they're both neighbors. They, they live in my subdivision. You need to get Chet Mettinger. And you need to get Jesse Freiberger out of retirement. Any chance of making that happen? Oh, um, that I'm not sure. We have actually a Bellevue Pass team playing in our Louis Jess tournament this year. So maybe they'll be on that team. I don't know. Chet's heading that for them. I'll have to see if uh, they can still lace up those cleats. Great guys. A lot of great guys from, from Bellevue. Now, I would understand that you're on the pitching staff, Chase. Who are some of the other guys that are going to round out that rotation? Who gets the ball first game of a tournament, and who are we turning to in championship games? Yeah, I mean, last last year we relied heavily on Doug Van Dyke. Um, he pitched with me up at UD as well. Um, most of our pitching staff kind of is guys that stayed around um, since I've been playing up there. 
just kind of younger younger guys. Doug Van Dyke's a big one. Reed Stump fills in a lot of innings for us as well um, in tournaments and league games. And then we've got Tyler Carlson, who's going to throw a little bit for us as well this year. Chase, when I think back to last year, I know one of my greatest memories from the semi-pro season last year was one I was I was new to the game, and I really took a liking to your guys' tournament. And as you listen to a lot of the managers here, they tip their cap to Bellevue and, and how Bellevue did, the, did that and said that your tournament was a blueprint on how to do things right. And it really kept the league going for the entire year when people did not think there was going to be a season. And I remember watching the news and seeing the amount of people that came and watched the Bellevue tournament. And people were coming from all over. I remember KCRG interviewed a guy, and him and his family had no stake in the game. They had nobody playing. They came up from Chicago because they were getting tired of watching old games on TV, and they just wanted to see see live baseball. So I want to tip my cap and from all of the other managers and myself, we'd like to say thank you to you and the rest of the community and the rest of the people with the Bellevue Braves that put on that great event and showed everybody the right way to do it so we can play baseball safely and effectively during that COVID era. So that was one of my favorite memories from last year. If you had to pinpoint a memory or two that would be the greatest memories of last year for Bellevue. What do you think that they would be? Oh, last year, I mean, we we always love running our tournament. Um, didn't do too hot in it last year, but we uh, finished second in the Piazza tournament, which was a lot of fun. And we always have fun at Zwingle Fest and those other those little tournaments that go on there's so many cool stadiums out there i mean farley's got a nice park uh bernard has a really cool atmosphere out there as well to end the season now tell us about the bellevue tournament what are the dates that are coming up and um provide us with some social media on where we can find a schedule and we can follow the bellevue braves yeah, you can uh, look us up on uh, Twitter, just uh, Bellevue Braves. You can search. It's B, capital B, Bellevue Braves um, is the handle on there. Or you can like us on Facebook. We have a Bellevue Braves uh, amateur baseball page up on there. Um, but the tournament uh, is actually going to start Wednesday, May 26th. We have a playing game right then. And then on that Friday which would be the 28th. We have uh, two more games, which will be both of our Bellevue teams playing um, that night. And then Saturday and Sunday rounds out a busy weekend. We have four games each day. Um, the, that would be the 29th and 30th of Memorial Day weekend. Fingers crossed for some good weather. And go on out to Bellevue. Check out River Ridge Brewing. They have a new facility out there. And go watch some great baseball down on the river. Stick around for the Key West Ramblers. And then we will end the show with the Epworth Orioles. 
Next in line in our rotation is one of the most successful programs of the past how many years run by former manager Johnny Knobble. Turned it over to new manager a couple of years ago, Brent Lemire, and it's the Key West Ramblers. Now, Brett, before we start talking about the 2021 season here, you guys caused a social media uproar on Twitter a couple months ago when you opened your store and you had the Damn Dale t-shirt. Tell us a little bit about your store. Where can we find these items if we want to buy them? And give us a little background on how that shirt came up and and uh, how it came about. I did have some people ask me if you got it approved with Dale first before you put that shirt on the market. Yeah, so that shirt did get approved by Dale. He, he absolutely loved it. Um, but yeah, the website is uh, it's called Ramblers Baseball dot item order dot com and i mean we got a bunch of different uh things that you can buy on there uh there's also a dubuque county baseball semi-pro shirt that you can buy that's got all the team names on the back uh and those are available in a bunch of different colors too so if you're a fan of any sort of uh semi-pro team we have the colors for that team so um but yeah the Backstory on that is we we always used to give Dale a hard time with his strikeout call like everybody does. And uh, Anthony Rudin ended up just coming up with a design, drawing a design for it. And I guess it just took off from there. That's great to hear. I, I wonder how many people will be wearing those at the ballpark when uh, when Dale is umpiring. Tell us about the squad. Walk us around the infield first. So who are some of the guys that are returning on the infield? Who are some of the guys that might be new? And then who has maybe decided to step away this year on the front, the infield front? So on the infield front, um, I mean, we basically are returning everybody. Uh, We don't have anybody leaving as far as I know anyway. Um, So that's, there's me, uh, Ed Crable plays a little bit of first base catcher. Um, you know, Anthony Rudin, he uh, pretty much plays anywhere for us. Same with Ra- Anthony Razzo. Um, Jake Blunt, another catcher. Uh, Cole Smith, a school kid from senior. He uh, plays a lot of infield for us too, actually. So that's basically it for the infielders. Uh, Lake Rawson, he's going to be playing a little less this year, I guess. He kind of moved away a little bit so but other than that yeah everybody's in the infield returning and randy rota as well what about the outfielders uh outfielders uh we have nick Wolkamp, kevin hunley uh both those two are going to play again um ben oglesby johnny blake is going to play for us again this year so uh yeah like i said just about the same people as last year not really losing anybody and not really gaining very many people either so Two of the most trending videos I saw on Twitter last year are connected to your team. One of them was the Dale strikeout call in the Dyersville tournament. And the other one, and I'm going to need some help with the location, but it was the Randy Rosa home run. Uh, estimate, how far do you think that ball traveled? And and what was that the Worthington tournament that he hit that, or where was that? Uh, that was the, the Rickardsville tournament. That's and, right, the uh, I mean, it, tournament. Hard to tell how far that ball went because uh, 
that fence is so short out there to right field, it, and it cleared that by a bunch. So, <laughs> I, the first semi-pro game I, I went to last year, I wanted to go see Red play, and it was the Farley tournament, and. I, I saw this guy walking up to the batter's box and looked a little out of shape. Uh, and, and I'm like, what in the heck is this? Is, is this guy thinking this is a slow pitch softball league or, or what's going on here? And it was Randy and Randy roped a solid line drive to right field. And the ball probably didn't get over 10 feet in the air, but the ball made it all the way to, to the outfield fence. And, and it was just a laser. And I think he settled for a single on that one, but um, it was, it was just a frozen rope and Holy cow, that guy swings it with authority. Now, a lot of the other owners and managers previous to you, Brett talked about your pitching staff and have identified your pitching staff as one of the better pitching staffs in semi-pro. Who are some of the guys that are going to be getting the ball for you this year? Yes, uh, basically the same as last year again. Uh, Jacob Kerman will probably be back, I'm assuming. Uh, Anthony Rudin, Andrew Redman. Um, I mean, here and there, I mean, Nick will throw for us as well. Uh, Kevin Hundley throws pretty well, so... Yeah, our, our pitching staff is, is pretty deep, and obviously we have uh, a couple guys that are, are pretty good that we can ride out there pretty much every time. Now, I've asked this question to a couple of, of owners just trying to gauge things, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you this as well because you've been around the semi-pro game in the area for a while. One hitter, game on the line, could be from your team or any other team. Who do you want in the batter's box? Who do you think is that most feared hitter currently, 2021 in semi-pro? Uh, off the top of my head, uh, you, I think of Nate Rambler. Nate Rambler is a, is a tough guy to, to face. Uh, Brett Featherson. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's a lot of people from, that I can name here. Uh, but yeah, like I know on my team, there's Nick Wolkamp when he's when he's hot, he's he's scary to face. Anthony Razo, just because he's he's got the the highest baseball IQ that I know of. So he's he's somebody that I love having up there. Same. Yeah, there's question. a lot of different people from a lot of different teams that <laughs> that are not fun to face. Same question. We're going to reverse the roles here. And, and the two most common answers given are Brett Featherston and Nate Rambler. Let's turn it around here. You have one pitcher. You have to win one game. Who are you giving the ball to? Andrew Redman. I would agree <laughs> with you on that one. Let's talk about the success last year of the Key West Ramblers. If you had to pinpoint one of your team greatest moments and some other moments that that the guys enjoyed what would they be uh, i think the biggest one for us was was winning that dyersville tournament um that was just a really fun game to be a part of i think it went 11 innings something we won in 11 innings i mean those are just the games that are very memorable like i'll remember that game for a very long time because it was so back and forth it was, just, it was a really fun to be a part of that game 
But yeah, then uh, like Randy Rose's home run, I don't think anybody will ever forget that either. That was that was that was cool to be there to witness that. <laughs> I remember last year I went to uh, you guys played in the Farley Championship, and I had picked uh, Farley to beat you guys. And um, you and I had a little back and forth, which which I thought was hilarious. But um, Key West ended up beating Farley, and and Red sent me a text, and Chad Crable sent me a text, and they said. You never pick against Key West in a championship game. And the funny thing was, was I went to uh, look something up on your Facebook page and I couldn't find you. So I was sharing with people on the air that I thought you were so pissed off at me for picking you guys to lose that you had actually blocked me on Facebook. But it was since... um, said that you had deactivated your Facebook account during that time. So I know better that when I'm making my predictions this year, do not pick against Key West in the championship game. Now, is there anything else that stands out about last year? Or do you want to go ahead, plug your social media and give us that website for those t-shirts, the semi-pro t-shirts, the Key West Ramblers t-shirts, and that damn Dale t-shirt, if the listeners would like to pick that up. Yeah, so um, the Twitter account that we have is just at Key West Ramblers, and uh, we're actually just reopened the store today, so um, the store is open again, and we're going to post to the website so you can go straight, or post to Twitter so you can go straight to our Twitter and see the link to the, the store there, but if you don't have Twitter, uh, it's uh, ramblersbaseball.itemorder.com. And this episode is going to go live shortly. So right now it is April 28th. How long is the store open for? So if it listeners is op- listen to this in a week or so, will it still be open? Yeah, so it is open tentatively. Like we can, we can change it too, but it is open until May 16th as of right now. All right, so it is April 28th, go patronize the Key West Ramblers. And uh, also, everybody should show up to the ballpark when Dale is umping a championship game with those damn Dale shirts. It was great hearing from the setup men, the Key West Ramblers. Now we're going to turn it over to our final act, the closers, the Epworth Orioles. Stick around. Closing out the semi-pro extravaganza is a true favorite of the podcast. I would say Hall of Fame guest of the show. His semi-pro episode actually ranks in the top 10, and it's Tyler Horner of the Epworth Orioles. Tyler, welcome back to the podcast. Before we start talking about the team coming up here. We know that semi-pro, they cannot do it without their sponsors. So I've seen your promotional poster. There's a lot of them. Let's give them the due that they deserve. Yeah, yeah, for sure, Coach. Yeah, we got a lot of posts or a lot of sponsors. So we're, I'm just going to rattle them off here. Hopefully I can get everyone. Um, Rambler Construction, uh, that's from uh, Nate Rambler from Piazza, actually. So another semi-pro is helping another semi-pro out. It's pretty awesome. Uh, the board, Board Blondie, they make uh, customized boards. Quiznos in Des- Dyersville, 
uh, Friedman Group, uh, American Family Insurance by Nolan Weber, another semi-pro guy. And Freeman, Freeman Group is Eric D'Souza from uh, Bernard, another semi-pro. So always helping it out is really awesome. Uh, we have Kramer Storage uh, and Car Wash. We have Top Grade Excavation, uh, Barrett Auto uh, Services, uh, Exit Realty, Chief Bat. That's one of your sponsors. I know that. You promote them really well. They promote the league really well. Um, Briley Dog Grooming, uh, Oasis Well and Pump, Dirty Ernie's and Farley, Mark's Elastic Music, uh, Dimensional Brewing, X-Grain, uh, Wolf of America, uh, Rodman's, uh, Midwest One Bank, uh, Five Flags Center in Dubuque, the hair shop at Epworth, Weber's Construction, Goldsmith Painting, uh, Fidelity Bank of Trust, Horsefield Construction, Kennedy Painting, the Pizza Factory in Epworth, Jeff Nodderman Drywall and pa- uh, Plastering, Thane and Kramer Construction, Rustic Metal uh, Company, uh, McDermott Wall and Floor Repair, uh, Eastern Iowa uh, Mechanical, Cobra Lanes and Farley is where we actually hold our uh, bowling tournament every year. Um, uh, Shipper, a family chiropractor, Mighty M. And then our last one is always the favorite of uh, Epworth is Silkers. We always say if you don't, if, if Silkers doesn't have it, you don't need it. So uh, all these, uh, all these uh, sponsors were lane sponsors for our bowling tournament that we had uh, at the beginning of March. So all these guys sponsored in lane and uh, some sponsored two or three lanes. Uh, so we couldn't uh, we couldn't have our bowling tournament or even have a season without all these sponsors. So uh, all these guys are well deserved and they support our business or our, support our league and we support them as well. So I want to thank you and X Screen for doing great job on their apparel you sent me an epworth oriole shirt new era shirt love it wear it regularly and also yes. the chief bat company for sponsoring our show they do a phenomenal job as well yeah. their bats are awesome too they're they're a big sponsor of the semi-pro area too he then does great works on bats and i i'm pretty sure every there's two or three chief bats on each team so they do a great job is Dimensional bringing the Epworth O's beer back? I know there was a town in countries when they had an Epworth O's beer. Tom Rowan, can yeah. you get that going here? Grant Wolf, let's yeah. get that we going. Tweet, we tweet at them every year uh, about it because that beer was so good on Town & Country Days. And uh, we talked to one of like the main brewers. He goes, we don't even remember how we made that. We're like, oh, well, you got to figure it out. You got to bring that back or do a different beer and call it the E-Town O's since they're going to be uh, – Close to us now in Piazza, they're building that new facility with uh, that coffee shop. So it's going to be even closer to Epworth now. You will be very lucky, residents out there, to have jumble and dimensional brewing out in that area. Let's talk some baseball. Walk us around the horn. Catcher first all the way over to third. Who can we expect to see suiting up for the Epworth Orioles this year? Uh, we got we got a lot of guys returning actually. So in the catching position, um, you got Bryce Horner, you have Dylan Kramer, and then a guy last year actually out of Bacolda is uh, Ryan Grunward. Uh, Grunward. Uh, I'm I'm messing up his last name. I know that, but uh, he's from Bacolda. He stepped in last year when we were in need of a catcher, and he he did a phenomenal job. So we're excited to have him. Uh, Excited to have him back. Uh, 
And then we have, at first, you have Brett Featherston, like always. Uh, uh, second, we kind of, second, middle infield, and third, we kind of, everyone plays the same spot. So uh, we have Gavin Notterman, we have Dylan Pardol, uh, Cody Kramer, uh, Mike Brown, uh, Casey Paranal, he'll be there, and Cole might play. Uh, Pat O'Brien has played there a couple times. Uh, Ben Bryant's another uh, guy that we got last year from the high school. He played a bunch with us. So we're excited to have those young guys like Carter Kleesner, Shane, uh, Beitzel and Ben Bryant playing with us again. And then, uh, Austin Hosh and Dylan Ganzen, uh, they filled in a couple spots when we were having the COVID, uh, COVID, uh, kind of outbreak and we had to fill out a team and, uh, Austin Hosh, Dylan Ganzen, and uh, Grant Kramer really stepped up uh, to help us out, and they're going to start playing with us again this year. And then in the outfield, we have uh, Cody Kramer, another one. We have the Ganzen twins, uh, Chris and Mitch Ganzen. Uh, they're the they're the two wrestlers on our poster that we have in the background holding up two. Uh, we have Mitch Kramer, uh, David Fitzgerald. Uh, and then I'm just hoping I got everyone. Carter Kleesner, I set him, um, and Dakota Kramer. Uh, he'll play when, when we need a guy and also, uh, bull, bull Kramer. So a lot of Kramers, a lot of Horners and, uh, uh, just a lot of guys that we will have that will play a lot of positions or, if we have nine guys, you're going to play third no matter what because we need you there. So <laughs> we might we might have six outfielders at one time. So it's whoever feels most comfortable at third. Uh, you're playing third. So that's that's the fun part about this league is you never know where you're going to play until the game time uh, at one o'clock uh, when we play the game. So you may be thinking you're playing center, but guess what? We need you at third or something like that. So. It's a it's a fun league, and uh, we're excited to get things going again this year. Now we know you have the Parano brothers, Casey and Cole, at the top of the pitching rotation. Who are some other guys you're going to need some innings from this year? Uh Gavin Otterman. Uh, he's going to be he's going to be one of our main guys. We hope uh, he's been he's been doing a lot of uh, pitching lessons and stuff. So we hope his arm has said his arms feeling a lot better than it has in the past. So he's he's strengthened that. Gavin's going to be a real good guy that we're probably going to lean on uh, for even tournament games. We're probably going to have him at the starting position. And uh, we might have Cole or Casey play outfield or at second or something and mix it up so we can save them for the later games in the semis. But we don't know. It's it's who's ever feel, arm is feeling good that day. Uh, David Fitzgerald, by the end of the year, he was throwing – for us so we might uh for league games it's <laughs> ryan horner last year actually threw the most innings for for the Epworth orioles and he's he's for 40 to 60 miles per hour at the knees and hopefully you can hit it and you know what he threw strikes in this league and that's what it's about and he got us out of a lot of jams he won a couple games for us uh just because he was able to throw strikes we played good defense behind him and that's what it's about it's it's not it's not about how fast you can throw. It's not about how uh, uh, it's all about your control and being able to throw strikes and not walk anyone. Cause walks always kill you. My dad always said, and I think that's kind of stuck, stuck with um, all the core guys that have been coached by my dad or my dad has coached other parents and kind of got that through them is 
throw strikes, get outs, play good defense, and uh, your runs will come. Just don't walk anyone. So Now, last year when I interviewed you, and then later in the podcast season, I had Brett Featherston on, the most common feedback I got is the Epworth Orioles do not give themselves enough credit. They are one of the best teams in the league. They can flat out mash. And then they said about Brett is don't let Brett's um, joking around side fool you. He is still one of the best players in semi-pro. Now, I know what you're going to say to this um, ans- to this question but what was your team's greatest moment from last season? Um, the Cascade Tournament trophy that I have in my hand. I mean, that is that is that was, and I wasn't even there for the finals. That was the worst part, Coach. It, I had a bachelor party that I I kind of like helped plan, so I had to I had to make sure I was at that. But I was there on Friday or I was there the Thursday for the semis and just making it that anytime you can make to the finals of a tournament, let alone win it, it's just the greatest feeling in the world for how, uh, how hard uh, these guys put dedicate their time and playing every week of ball and uh, just making it to the finals is a huge achievement, but winning the cascade tournament and the history of Epworth for the first time ever is such a big deal in this community. I would say we probably had two to 300 fans there from Epworth, just the Epworth community um, just really showed up and was there. And uh, I mean, another thing is just being able to play was a huge accomplishment for, um, for this league. I'll say I'll be the first one right away. I don't, I, I was probably against playing right away. But once Bellevue, Bellevue did such a great job at their tournament that it kind of made things, made the ball roll. And you got to give, you got to give a lot of credit to Bellevue for stepping up and being like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to have a tournament and we're going to run it safely. We're going to run it smoothly. We're going to give other, other teams directions on that. And without Bellevue being able to do that, Epworth would have never won the Cascade Tournament because I don't know if there would have been a Cascade Tournament. So you got to give a lot of credit to that for us being able to win the Cascade Tournament. And holding this trophy is just the greatest feeling. I mean, I I have fun some nights, and I just come down here and just pretend, walk around and hold the trophy, send snaps to the Epworth Orioles, and they're all laughing. But it's always, it's just a blast, and uh Rodman's one of our sponsors is we're going to we're going to make a plaque and uh, or like a little stand and put the trophy up there and we have the scorecard that we kept we have pretty much every souvenir that we could have gotten from that game that we've saved and we're going to hang it up cuz it's such a big deal every past players showed up uh younger kids wanted to that are going to play with us in the future were there they were excited their parents were excited and our parents and all of our fans were there and it's just a great, great time. I mean, Cascade definitely next year, if we make it to the semis against Cascade, they're not gonna, they're going to bring in some guns probably because they're, they're going to be holding a grudge against us, but that's what it's about. It's, it's, you make it to the semis and if you win, guess what? Next year we're throwing even more at you just because we're so frustrated and uh, we don't want that to happen again because it's their own tournament. So, but I couldn't. I would say Cascade was excited for us as well to win it. I don't think. I think they would have uh, loved uh, 
loved either team to to win it, but Cascade was happy for us to win it, and uh, we were happy to be able to win it for Cascade. And Nate McMullen says Bill's Cascades tournament as the state's oldest and best tournament. And that's why I was following in with that is everybody talks about you guys as fun-loving guys that just show up and really don't care about wins or losses. You just kind of show up and, and have fun. But I saw a whole bunch of snaps saw a whole bunch of um, buzz on Twitter. There was legitimate emotions, um, tears, excitement when you guys won, and that fed from the whole league. I saw a lot of teams, a lot of people in the semi-pro community were reaching out to you guys and congratulating you. So congratulations on winning the Iowa's oldest and best tournament and hopefully you can continue that this year but i think you guys are going to have a target on your back yeah yeah we're especially at the cascade tournament uh i mean it's you and that uh so we were on the COVID hiatus too so we our first round game we didn't have our guns we didn't have um brett featherson we didn't have gavin notterman we didn't have david fitzgerald we didn't have mike brown we kind of had to scrap up a team so we we got some guys from the dubuque packers that wanted to play and so we brought them in and then we asked around town like austin hush hasn't played in two or three years he used to play for ball town he came to play short for us uh we had taylor gilson he was a big arm for us this year i kind of forgot to mention him and he he he's he threw really, really well that game. I think he had, he had 10 or 11 strikeouts in a 17 game, and he just did an awesome job and kept us in the game. I was, I was DH for that game, and I, I don't DH unless I really have to because we don't have we didn't have anyone. So that first-round game was a huge uh, confidence booster in us saying, hey, this team won. Why can't we win it all with our regular guys? Our regular guys showed up, and then we had Johnny Blake, uh, that, that helped us out again with, uh, unfortunately senior season had to be canceled because of COVID shoot. We were like, well, we're going to take an opportunity to try and win this tournament. And we reached out to Johnny right away, uh, when we won and he's like, yeah, I'm in. And the history's there. And Johnny, what he was on, uh, for the last five tournament teams, uh, just th- that's how good he was. So it was good to have him for that, uh, that time and i'm excited to be able to play him uh, against the packers this year too so if the packers aren't in a tournament and you want to win it just have johnny blake play for you <laughs> have one last question and then i'm doing a secret poll that i did not tell any of the owners any of the managers about tell us Sounds about good. your social media where can we find the epworth orioles on social media um, we have the E-Town O's on Twitter. It's just the E-Town O's or the Epworth Orioles. And then we have, um, the Epworth Orioles on Facebook as well. We do our weekly, excuse me, we do our weekly, um, like sponsor shout out on Facebook. And then Twitter just updates people on the game. And then we do Twitter attacks against Bernard and Baltown and all those other uh, semi-pro teams that uh, that uh, we do. We really enjoy doing that sort of stuff because uh, Bernard Bernard thinks they have the best Twitter, and we just laugh at that because <laughs> we 
I mean, uh, you, we have a good video that we just posted uh, a month or two ago, and uh, I don't see Bernard following anything up after that. So, It always provides excitement going to the game. Now, one name, no explanation. First name that pops into your head does not have to be on your team. Who is currently the most feared hitter in semi-pro? Feared hitter in semi-pro. Nate Ramler. Who is the most dominant pitcher currently pitching in semi-pro? Max Hoffman. Thank you, Tyler Horner, for joining <laughs> us on the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast and providing us with their Epworth Orioles 2021 season preview. Post-game show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Thank you for listening to the Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. You can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram by searching Dubuque Area Baseball Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Coach Manaman. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review, find us on Spotify, and subscribe.